0: Have you ever tried to sleep like sitting up? Yeah, that sounds really bad to me.
1: I mean, no, in a car, I guess. (laughs) I'd be just like laid out.
2: I would just, I would would
1: just hang by my safety harness.
0: (laughs) Oh, I think you'd be miserable. I don't
2: know. I fall out of bunk bed so I'd be in the world of trouble. Uh, I believe. Ready? Ready? Yep. And we're back. Hey, on okay. podcast, episode forty-four, as Colton keeps us in line. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's uh mm. the twenty first today, October twenty first. And um we have a front moving through. We yeah. I dated I was listening to a couple of our previous podcasts, which my wife tends to hate. Like why she's like, why are you listening to yourself? I'm like, eh, you know, just gonna make sure I on listen to all, and yeah, that's
1: not weird. I listen to all of them.
2: And uh, we we definitely had a lot of uh, hedged bets against the third week in October if a front came through. Third
1: week in October, front's coming through. Yeah, I mean they're they're bound to. This is the second one too. We we had one a couple of days ago. Yeah, but
2: that was just like breakup fall wall type of thing, right? Scrapes like it came through, got some movement. It's a Cold front. Uh, in fact, it, it was like it was almost a twenty degree. Time didn't really seem. I mean, I know you saw we that. Saw a buck, yeah. You saw that three year old. Uh, but other than that, like, kind of seemed flat for you guys, right? Yeah, the the following two hunts, which the further
1: away you get from that, you know, the front coming through, the the slower it gets. But yeah,
2: we we got skunked a couple. Of th- well, we saw some does and stuff, but yeah, this one will. This is the one that should kick the barn door down. Um, I've seen a lot of new bucks lately. In fact, Illinois, we're seeing this. We we call him a booner, but it's kind of clear now. He's just an eight, but like mid one sixties eight. Uh, yeah, they don't make him much bigger than that. Yep. Beast. Um, got a nine on that same camera, like what five minutes before him, which I think is the same. Do you remember I said the other night? Like this, it was, yeah, high one fifties, probably, probably, yeah. Um, so we got some good deer. I assume
1: somewhat strolling together.
2: Like the chances of five. There was three apart. in a row. Do you see? There was a two or three year old behind him that hit uh, the scrape. Interesting. All moving in that same general direction. I
1: never quite understood that. Like when they actually break up and some, you know, some deer seem to stay in groups for.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think as long as they keep their social distancing. Yeah. You know,
1: it's kind of a weird phenomenon. Cause I have, I've killed bucks on, I killed a three-year-old on
2: November 3rd, several years ago that was with another buck. That buck behind your shoulder, I killed on October 23rd in Pennsylvania. That's my sweet spot. 23rd to 25th. other bucks? Four. Yeah. He was the last in line. Huh. Not saying that they were, like, all huddling, huddling together. but Yeah,
1: doesn't just, so, just like anybody ever talks about that. We we rarely talk about that, mm-hmm. why, you know, why they're still in their groups.
2: i going to ask our guest today. He might know a thing or two about it. Sure. Um, before we introduce the guest, though, uh, I got a pretty good stud in Kentucky, which is making right. me excited. I've been struggling. <laughs> Struggle busting. Yeah. My PA is just flat, and Kentucky was kind of flat, too, until that deer showed up. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah. They'll do that this time of year. So you're telling me there's a chance. That's not a buck that you know, is it? No. He's got a real real defined brow, split brow on the right, and then two, like, hooks beside that off the main beam forward. And then he's a mainframe nine. Mm. Yeah, it's a stud. Makes me happy. Are you going to try to hunt him this weekend? Yes. That's the... um, That's the first, like, besides Illinois or Indiana, like, that's the first buck that I'm like, that's a deer I want to kill. And I don't mean that, like, it's not like I'm saying, oh, you know, I'm just holding out. Like, that's a deer I want to hunt. Like, everything else, like, I've seen some great bucks. In fact, this is probably the best year for number of bucks on my Kentucky cameras um, ever. But, like, those are the kids and Emily. Like, I'm super excited for them in November and gun season. Like, there are bucks everywhere. In fact, I walked, so um, the mountain property has just been trash for me. You know, we talked about pressure. Yeah, Yeah, pressure, and, you know, it is what it is. At some point, some of these five-year-olds will show back up. But, so I took a walk behind the house. I have 30 acres, you know, and I don't hunt it. Like, it's the kids and Emily hunt it, and that's it. And, dude, there was a buck sign everywhere. And some, like, substantial rubs and scrapes. Mm. And so I've been getting... There's a lot of one year olds. I've got it like a two or three year old eight point. I've got, I picked up like a three year old five point, which is just ugly as sin. Uh, but I would assume there's a big one in there somewhere. And so many acorns. And then I've got my... Seems like you have a good one show up in November every year. Two or three usually. Yeah. Between uh, last week in October and second week in November consistently. And it's just catching them on 30 acres. But yeah, right. I've got that. Um, I went winter rye, Jeff Sturgis style. And yeah. it looks fantastic. Yeah, And a bunch of clover in there too I put in. Did you see that picture I sent you the other day of the rye that dad threw out by the pinch? Yeah, when you guys were in the sand. Yeah. I hadn't great.
1: seen that since he went out and threw it. So th- that's what I ended up doing was... I had dad broadcast it right right into standing ag. Look beans. great.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean it's something which is and it'll actively grow in 45 to 50 degree weather too. I tried some it was pretty good. Um well so if we calculate this right and I rely mainly on Strauss lama for this it sounds like this podcast is dropping first week of November which if that's the case we're all full mast. <laughs>
1: Sure. Boners, yeah. you mean. I yes. see. Okay. yeah, Booners,
2: you know. Uh, you all in the same thing. Uh speaking and- of Mast, dude, we watched a great movie.
1: <laughs> Mass or Mast, I'm not sure. What's that what's that movie we watched the other day? Into the Heart of the Sea with one of the Hem- Hemsworth. Have you seen this? It's a whale hunting movie. Mm, Captain Ahab, eh? <laughs> it's about Moby Dick. Oh yeah. I-, I killed a white whale Have before. You- yeah, I know, yeah. Have you heard of this movie? No. It sounds great. Fantastic. Worth a watch. Yeah. You'd, you'd like it.
2: All about that. Into the heart of the sea. We always like to hunt the whale. Anyways, mast, ships. Ships. That's where my head was at. And that then transitions into this is November. So what guest would we rather have in the first week of November than the man himself, <laughs> Mr. Chasing November, Bill Winky? <laughs> so we brought him back uh, by popular demand at that.
1: I think I, bro- I broke this chair. I probably broke it before you did.
2: Very true. Um. So, yeah. So today's guest to start off November is Bill Winky, and super excited to have Bill back. He was one of our early guests in the podcast, um, you know, and and again, even that was several months ago, 30 plus episodes probably ago. Um, so many people are like, what's Bill up to? So that's what we're going to find out today. What's Bill up to? Child fishing would be a safe bet. <clears throat> I know he's got some construction <clears throat> projects on the new place farm that he-, he has. Uh, I think he's building his new barn and stuff for his office and everything, but... Um, Did they, they bought a house up there? Mm-hmm. Not building one. Nope, bought one. Um, so, yeah. Today's guest, Bill Winky. It's November. Kind of. You awake still? Not sleeping yet. Huh. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He was living with his <laughs> eyes open. Where
3: am I?
0: Got <laughs> me up. out of it. Yeah. Well, it's about uh, being in a tree stand.
2: Well, I was going to say, like, normally you had to look at I have at the end of November, which is like, what just happened? <laughs> like, where, where did the two months of this season go and what just happened? But uh, yeah, so, well, first of all, Bill, appreciate you coming back on, man. Like uh, by popular demand at that, like by far one of the most listened to podcasts that we've launched and, and we were just talking, this is number 44 for us. So we've been going strong all year. If we do this right at the end of the year, we'll, or early January, we'll have 52 episodes because that's when we started. Hmm. Um, yeah, nice. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep, January. Wow, how about that? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but again, this is dropping, it's October 21st, but this is dropping first week in November. So, uh, yeah, what better guest to have than Mr. November on the, at some point, you probably could release a calendar just of of Bill Winky bucks on a calendar for- for the month the whole year be a hot seller sell it on deer and deer hunting
3: yeah
0: oh uh, man all, all the guys would buy one and put it up in the shop right I like know. They Do doing those
2: <laughs> sports illustrated sims, swimsuit but, calendar would take this, a tanking sale
0: wasn't like snap tools or somebody that was doing that where they had the girls on there and oh yeah every mechanic had every one single
2: ones. one of them had it
0: for sure snap on yeah
2: Yep. Well, cool, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. I know um, you got a bunch of projects going on. So, what you you, are you building a barn right now on the property for your office and stuff? Uh,
0: Yep. It's a, I suppose you'd call it a pole building. Yep. You know, it's one end is finished, and that's going to be my office, and then the rest of it's going to be a shop. So it's, you know, definitely uh, high time to get out of the basement and get a real office.
2: Yeah. Is it similar to your similar to the last one you had?
0: Yeah, be a little bit bigger. Cool. Um, maybe a l- little bit nicer. The one I had before I inherited when I bought that place, but uh, I'm going to have this one like spray foam to make it real nice and tight, you know, so that there you go. I can be in there during the winter, or, you know, back in the shop area. Maybe you know, who knows what working on a bow or doing some wood building or something.
2: Very cool, man. Very. Cool. Yeah, it'd be
0: fun.
1: It's nice to have a, a space. Do you keep all your your st- you know all your hunting stuff out there? And yeah, Do you have a, definitely wa- will. You got a washer and dryer. By chance, uh huh. Yeah, I, I, will, I yep. did one of those. <laughs> I did, when my wife and I bought our house last October, and it it worked out that the old homeowners left theirs upstairs, and I was like, "Oh, sweet, that's awesome." So I kept ours, and I washed them out real good. And I had an electrician and a plumber come so into my basement. I've got our
2: washer and dryer just for the hunting clothes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and, and the nice thing about that too, like, you know, there's a certain amount of stuff that you use that gets really dirty, and. uh you know, I don't necessarily want to bring that into the house, nor does my wife want mm. me to bring that into the house. So Mm-mm. no, kind nice of have some place where you can clean that up.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, um I guess, you know, last time we left off, Bill, uh, and it sounds like when we were kind of pre-talking here before the podcast. So you're going to be hunting the same farm that you hunted last year and that you killed a uh, pretty damn good buck last year as well. Yeah. How yeah, you f-
0: I, I've been looking for land and I'm starting to get some leads on some stuff there finally are a few that are breaking loose, but, uh, this season I'll be on that lease. And, uh, I don't know long-term, uh, you know, what, what the future holds, but it's a good spot. You know, I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm getting uh plan B there. It's, it's definitely plan a
2: cool. I, I, it's funny you kind of bring up the land thing because that's one thing that I'm starting to look at too is, you know, potentially investing in another place and, and you know, whether I section some off for ag and cash rent or it seems really slim pickings on the listings right now. So are you looking at listings or is it like beads on, eh, you know, if I make these guys an offer, they might consider selling?
0: Yeah, it's both. Yeah. Um, the area where I'm looking, I'm related to a lot of people. It's where I grew up and my family is, I guess I'm fourth generation on both my mom and my dad's side. Oh, wow. So yeah, so I know a lot of people are related to a lot of people. um, So it's, I've got a few, you know, different contacts that are looking for me, helping Mm -hmm. me and feeding me information when, you know, certain people might be interested in selling, you know, whatever. Um, So I'm doing that. Plus, I'm also, some people don't like to sell outright, they'd rather sell through a realtor. Sure. Um, So even, even if you know, they're going to sell, you end up having to wait until it gets listed anyway. I find but you can be there right away.
2: Yeah, I kind of find, um, at least with some of these, what I think are like the premium farms, um, that those people almost would rather deal with like the buyer directly and maybe even just get lawyers involved to do the transfer of deeds and paperwork and stuff simply because they don't trust real estate agents, you know? And it it depends on the area, but like a lot of these, you know, old time farmers or, or landowners, you know, would rather just be like, yeah, like, you know, I I don't need it anymore. I'm not using it. And, and I kind of have that situation in Kentucky right now with, with my neighbors in that, like, we're already discussing, although there's no rush of like, Hey, at some point, we're not going to use this property anymore. If you'd like to buy it, like we'll sell it to you. And I don't need anybody involved except the lawyers to get it done.
0: Right. Yeah. But most of the stuff i bought, over the years uh, was that way. And uh, when I put my original farm together in in Southern Iowa, there were nine transactions involved in putting that together. And there weren't any um, realtors involved in any of those. They were all neighbors either selling, you know, off a little piece to a nearby farmer, or in in most cases, buying Mm -hmm. uh, chunks, you know, from the the neighbors. And, you know, I think the the biggest problem with uh, people selling it outright is uh two things they don't have a real good beat on the market maybe sure they don't know what to price it at yep and uh they probably haven't sold very many things so they're not comfortable with the selling process you know like what has to take place you know and every state's a little bit different you know on how the title is either insured or or, Mm -hmm. you know guaranteed however the the state does it um so there's a lot of little you know small things but it's not i mean any good attorney can you know, it can take you through all that. It's not a it's not a hard process. You don't need a realtor. Uh, in some cases, the realtor does create extra value though because they have a better beat on, on what stuff is selling for. Yeah.
1: And we yeah. just talked to Dan Perez last week from uh, Whitetail Properties and he was kind of cluing us into a bunch of the things that they teach their land specialists that do exactly that mm-hmm. you know, value that may be unseen to the potential buyer or seller. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, I can see both
0: sides of it. Uh, in most cases, uh, I would prefer, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care either way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather sell it without a realtor because I usually know what the value is and I know how to, you know, how to sell it. Right. Uh, but when I'm buying, it doesn't really matter because the seller is paying the commission. Exactly. Anyway,
2: so. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. And, and sometimes I use that as leverage in my negotiations. It's like, Hey, listen, if you're comfortable just going with a lawyer, don't worry about a real estate agent because it'll save you money. And then maybe somehow that cuts into the deal that I can work with them, you know? Right. To your comment about being from the area and when I'm approaching people, it's more about
1: asking, just asking permission and stuff like that. I've noticed uh, such a, like an immediate relief from the people that I'm talking to when I can say, Hey, um, you know I'm Jared, and I'm actually your neighbor from right over here. Yeah. As soon as I say that, they're like, "Oh, oh, okay. Where, yeah. Where? Right over here." And so even in Ohio, like where my parents are from, I can use that to say I'm essentially your neighbor, and they're, yep. like, yeah, they're they're immediately a little more willing to. Because if I'm like, "Hey, I'm Jared. I'm
2: from out of state. I'm looking for a place to bow hunt." They're like, "Ah, that be that bush has been beat pretty hard lately." Yeah. I wonder yeah. too, with, um, and we talked to Dan about it. And again, this is no offense to those real estate guys at all, but I, I think a lot of those guys, especially the successful ones, you know, whether it's wait till properties or whoever, you know, if they get a beat on a great listing, I wouldn't be surprised if they buy it as an investment oh, property. That, well, that's what I was going to uh, say.
0: I'm not sure that that's ethical. There's a ethical yeah.
1: all are being done.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but there's a line there yeah. um, that, uh, I think that's part of the problem of being a realtor is uh, you have to be really careful when you're buying you know potentially your your customers' stuff because there's a conflict of interest there.
2: you would think um, so. And I'm not saying that no, these guys is. are doing there it, is. you know, it clearly is, but it, like obviously, a lot of these guys, and it's not just it, it's anybody right? real any real estate agents that are interested in hunting, most of these guys own farms. And have friends that are looking for. So you know, well,
0: they, can, yeah, they can buy them a lot of different ways rather than going in there and saying, "Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to represent sure. you." Sure. Oh, by the way, I'll buy it. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's a lot of ways that they can do it, you know, without tying their their real estate business into it and creating that conflict of interest.
2: That would make sense. So I, I would assume that there's, and again, I'm completely unfamiliar with this. There's some sort of ethical law that they can't like if they get a lead. Somebody says, "Hey, I want to sell my property." At that point, there's probably a line in the sand that that they can't buy it.
1: Well, yeah, and I don't know that the buck stops with them buying it. Like they, you know, they're plugged into people that will buy it, which makes
2: them an effective realtor, essentially. Yeah, they they have a they probably have just as much demand for they have way more demand for buying right now than they have listings.
1: But but to a newcomer, you know, somebody looking to buy, it would seem that like most of that stuff is getting picked through.
2: Yeah,
0: it's. Yeah, it's tough right now. I mean, there's there's going to be waves, you know, where you'll run into uh, uh, another cycle where there's going to be more supply 100%. on the market. It's, yeah. So, well, yeah. You know, if a person is right now really frustrated and discouraged, you know, just kind of hang in there because it's like any business cycle. I've been you know, you're going to see periods where, yep, something'll break loose and then everybody's going to be comfortable selling for a little while and then, you know, you'll hit those those lulls again when there just isn't much supply. So yep. we're just in one of those spots right now where there's not a lot of demand and not much supply. Yep. But that'll play its way out. You
3: know, Hundred percent.
0: When inflation kicks in and the interest rates go up to six percent, it's and, coming. You know. Yep. Yeah, then you're going to see that demand fall off pretty fast.
2: Well, the market's at an all-time high, so for most people, like you're not going to invest in a market that literally is, in my opinion, almost above where I thought the ceiling would be. Because there's nowhere, there's not much more room to go. Whereas land is appreciating every year pretty much.
0: Yeah. And, you, you know, the, the, we could get a deeper into the economics, but I've studied, I've studied this for quite a while trying to figure out what to do here. But, you know, we have to have inflation and we have inflation. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing it. Everything's more expensive. I mean, you can't even go to the grocery store for, you know, the same amount of money you went there two, two, three months ago. Yep. So, Everything's going up. Um, when that happens, and it's it's a fairly direct result of the government pumping, you know, a couple trillion dollars into the economy. So that money has to go somewhere. Yep. You know, where does it go? It goes into the hands of people who have something to sell or it goes into the markets, mm-hmm. you know, as an investment because it has to it has to it's like water, you know, it's gonna find a, a pool, you know, yep. a place to pool. So the money doesn't disappear. It never evaporates. It just moves around until it finally settles in someplace. Well, the people who usually end up with it are the people who are investing it. If you look at it and you say, okay, if we got inflation, that's coming, um, you know, what kind of investments should I be buying? And usually anything that has to do with a, a real asset, you know, like gold, uh, mm-hmm. corn, you yep. know, or, you know, or land, Yeah. So those are the, anything that's real, uh, when you buy paper, you run a risk that inflation leaves you behind
2: 100%. Uh,
0: so yeah, so you never want to buy, you don't want to have cash, you know, at a time when there's a lot of inflation coming. So I think that's why there's a land rush is everybody foresees this inflation coming? there's a whole bunch of money that got pumped into the economy. It's trying to find a place. Mm-hmm. You look at the stock market, and you feel like almost every company there is overvalued,
3: 100%. Know, historically overvalued. Yeah.
0: Um, so what do you put land into or money into? And it's like, it's land. You know, people are buying land and land is now historically maybe overpriced or whatever you want to say. So who knows when this whole bubble pops? Yep. Where we're going to be. And it's I mean? going
2: to pop. I mean, th- yeah. there's no argument. Like this isn't going to be a forever thing. It may be another six months, might be another 18 months. hard to say. Yeah. At some point it will burst and then this thing will come back down and there'll be a supply.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But who knows where those prices will land? That's the problem is like, trying to predict, okay, do I buy land now, even though it's inflated, expecting it to continue to inflate. And then when the bubble bursts, it comes back to here, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, you don't, you don't know. Well, I mean, all you can do is, is, you know, you, you, if you buy land, I feel like in the long run, you're going to do fine. Mm-hmm. If you buy stocks, you know, especially if you buy, you know, a, a bucket of stocks, you're probably going to do okay in the long run. You know, if you buy individual companies, you can get pounded. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, a guy shouldn't be afraid right now. Although, I do think that inflation is going to force that interest rate to come up, and that's going to change everything.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of my big things, and this is just recently kind of doing some, you know, self-analysis, is that, you know, I've got investments in the market and stuff. The one thing that bugs me as a person and always has is that I could will myself to death. No matter what I do, I'm not going to affect those stock prices in a positive way. Whereas if I invest in a piece of land, I can put, elbow grease into that thing and whether I'm harvesting timber or transitioning pasture to ag, like things I can do can increase the value of that property.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that's the beauty of it for, you know, recreational landowners, um, you have the ability to make the changes. Whereas I feel like the farmers, you know, they buy farmland and the underlying commodity price is what drives the value of that, of that land. Mm-hmm you know, so they don't really, it's not like they can say, oh, I'm going to put more fertilizer on, you know, and I'm going to sell my land for more. You know, if, if the corn is $5, the land is worth this. Yep. If the corn is $3, the land 100%. is worth less.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so that that's kind of the downside of buying ag land, whereas recreational land, you have that option of you know, being able to make it a better product.
2: Is, that's such a hard, and I mean, Dan and I, we, we kind of went into it a little bit, but like Bill and not to get into the nitty gritty details of it, but like in your background, and we've had this conversation before, I mean, you've been successful at purchasing properties, even prior to the farm that most people know you for in Southern Illinois, you know, and yeah, or sorry, Iowa. And, um, you know, doing things to those properties to then continue to invest and improve until eventually you had the the home farm. Right. And so, you know, what's interesting, and I guess some of it's market dictated, you know, others is just perception in the industry but like talk about that recreation side like that value oh it's not a commodity but it's very uh it's it's very you know it's not static right it's it's fluctuating at all times based on you know where are you at what's the quality of the property what's the potential of the deer what's the current value of the deer and, and that's such a weird thing because there's not many people that can tangibly put a price on that
0: yeah I mean, I feel like, I mean, I I can, I can get comfortable doing it. It's the only thing, the only investment that I really understand. Um, I don't have any money in the stock market and uh, you know, I bought some commercial real estate because we sold our farm and I had to buy something and I couldn't find more recreational land. I was going
2: to ask that without prying because that, that, that's a, a thing that I think a lot of people would look at is as they're going through a process, whether it's a residence or it's a piece of land, like what happens in these times where the next piece isn't there for you? What do you do? Right. So you invest well, it in commercially?
0: Of, yeah, there's tons, if you look at it and you say, okay, there's there's maybe you know X number of, of properties in a certain neighborhood that I would like to own. Yep. If none of those are for sale and you've sold something and you want to do a tax exchange, you've got to find some other real estate some other investment real estate is basically how it's written.
2: Is that a 1031? Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, the there's tons and tons of commercial real estate out there. It's not like you're trying to figure out, you know, that perfect one. All you need is one that checks the boxes and and you know, I'm not the world's greatest at it. I'm really pretty uncomfortable to be to be honest with you with that type of investing versus the recreational land. Sure. But I had I had to do something cuz I didn't want to pay the capital gains tax. Uh, the upside of the commercial real estate in this case, if it works, is, you know, my rate of return is high enough that I can take the income from the commercial real estate and use that to make the payments yep. on the recreational land when I find the right piece. So it's sort of like it becomes <clears> the the revenue generator or the, the generator of the of the payments for that loan. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get to go cash for cash like you would on a 1031 if you're selling a hunting land and buying hunting land. Exactly. You've kind of got this middleman. Yep. And the middleman just gives you money and then you use that money to pay your loan.
2: Yep. Makes sense. Um,
0: So like I said, we'll see if it works. You know, on paper, it sounds like a great idea. (laughs) You know, when you're only as good as your tenant. Yep. Um, If somebody says, you know, what do you think of your commercial investments? I'll say, well, check with me when the lease is expire on my current tenants then i'll tell you you know what i think of it yeah if they they renew then i love it if they don't renew (laughs) yeah what what else what else could i have bought instead Mm.
2: (laughs) but that's it is an interesting point because um i was talking to a couple guys uh this week who were kind of part of this like huge demand and push and like one of them mentioned like basically they said well you know, here's where I wanted to be. And unfortunately, like this was the only thing available. And I bought it. And I, I not to be like, you know, rude, but I just was like, well, why? Because it, it definitely didn't check all the boxes that they wanted. And they were like, well, it was the only thing available. And it, it, I don't think what I didn't understand was why did they feel so forced to do? Because it, it didn't sound like they had to spend the money or, but they literally just said, well, I'm going to buy this recreational piece because it was the only thing available.
0: Well, and, and maybe they were afraid that it was going to get away from them. Yeah. You know, price wise. Yep. Um, Very possible. What I tell, I always tell people, if you want to own land, you need to buy land, even if it's not your dream piece, mm-hmm. because then you've got something to trade, um, you know, when you find your dream piece, you got to. So it's sort of like the old analogy that somebody says, I'm just going to keep saving money until I can afford to pay cash for a house. But you never catch up Yep. because, you know, the the cost of the house goes up faster than your your savings goes up. The only way you can catch up is if you stop it in time Yeah. and you stop it in time by buying it and then taking the loan out, you know, and then you're, you know, you, maybe you got your three or 4% loan right now, which is awesome. Yep. And that's how you stop that price in time. And Mm -hmm. then you, hopefully you can get ahead of it, you know, Mm -hmm. with your income. So, I mean, it makes sense uh, from that standpoint. It's like, you know, if you really want to own land and you don't want it to get away from you, you're probably better off buying it rather than saving up unless you're saving money really fast because you you can't stop that price of that land in time Mm -hmm. unless you buy it.
2: Which is why people are buying land because the appreciation for that piece of property is continuing through time.
0: Yeah. And you'll start, you'll start to see people getting out of some of the stuff that they bought because they just bought something, you know, in a panic. Um, and then they'll say, gosh, I didn't really want this. I didn't realize the neighbor had 12 hounds, you know, that ran all over my place.
2: Yeah, um, that's a great point. you start
0: seeing some of the stuff unwinding a little bit too, because there was a lot of, almost like what you're talking about, panic buying. Yep. Where people were afraid, you know, they might miss the, the wave. Um, but yeah, it's a, buying land, you can buy land without a bunch of money. You just have to be creative and you got to want it bad enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I put together a lot of really good land. Um, without a lot of income, so it can be done. Yeah, um, but you got to start. Well, Nobody says, "Well, I'm just going to keep saving until I can afford my dream piece." Well, that's too late by then. I think
2: that's a pieces. great point, Bill, because I think the big thing that a lot of people fear is debt, and like you can't look at it that way. When you take out a Don't. loan and you finance a property for an asset, you can't be afraid to be four hundred or five hundred thousand dollars in the hole versus what you bought, as long as you can see the value there, like don't be afraid that there you, you get that when you say uh stop like the value in
1: time bill is is that because the property that you purchase is appreciating like, is appreciating yeah in real time yeah, so let's, i see
0: let's say you're trying to keep up with it with your savings like I got maybe you. the land yeah. prices are going up you know 6% a year or 7% a year which is kind of a historical average and and your savings you're you're going up maybe you're adding you know, 20% a year to your savings or, you know, you won't be able to do that for very long. I mean, it's going to be, you know, let's say you're saving 30 grand a year, yep. but the cost of land is going up X percent. You just won't catch it. Never. You know what I'm saying? So the only way that you can get it is to stop it from going up. Yep. The only way you stop it from going up is to buy it. it. You buy because it. then it's, Got yeah, it. there's not a moving target
2: anymore. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. I've never heard it explained that way. I like that. Well, and again, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, Bill. Well, I was just gonna say into the to the debt mark. There is like as you start to accumulate properties, essentially, you have equity in that property, and you can use that equity as that that's value to go and acquire other things. Like, yeah, and that's, that's where why the, you do it. Yeah, that's exactly. And so, and it's and it's no knock because like I did it when I was young. Like it's it goes back to like the rent mindset. Like I hated renting because I spent money, money, money. And, like, I never had an asset to show for it. And I know at some points when you can't or you're uncertain of your economics for the future, maybe you force yourself into a rent. But eventually, like, buying a house and getting a mortgage, even though you're accountable for a debt, you also possess an asset. Yeah. Well, and in that
1: sense, purchasing a commercial property is on paper, a, a better investment than a recreational property in the well, sense it that is. it's stopping the time and generating revenue at the same time. Yeah,
0: it is. It is potentially better. Potentially. Like,
1: said, <laughs> like you said, depends on the yeah. tenants.
2: I understand.
0: Yeah. Check, check with me in four or five years and then I'll tell you. Uh, what well, you it,
1: actually. It,
2: yeah. And I think the hard part there is like, if I'm looking, uh, and I we're down a rabbit hole, but that's okay. Like if I'm looking at a piece of recreational property, there's potential cash rent income, which, unless you have substantial ag may not be a lot of money, Sure, right? You have some, there's it, ways to it, piece it together, but never like a the rate of
0: return on ag is just so low. Right? I mean, I yeah. looked at just buying farmland, you know, and I sold our, our property in it's Southern Iowa, just buy, well, you're going to make 2%, maybe 3%, you know, two and a half percent. If you pay, you know, if you pay cash for it, yeah, you know, at least you made something, but if you borrow the money, yeah. To buy it, you're, you're kind of breaking Bare, Yeah, I was
2: going to say it barely hears, breaking
0: even.
1: Not that I want yeah. this to be the case, but like dude, leasing your property for recreational property seems to be the most profitable. <laughs> it is. So if you bought one that wasn't the best hunting property, you're like, it's cool. I'm just going to lease it. Which, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a big,
2: big one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, and uh, yeah, it's hard to squeeze. I look at recreational land as an equity investment. It's a net worth investment. Yep. Because if you look at it as a cash flow generator, it's probably not a good enough piece of recreational land to really check all the boxes because really good recreational land hunting land um, doesn't have a lot of income unless there's some really good trees on it. Yep. So you don't buy it for the rate of return. I don't even look at them when I'm buying them like there's some, you know, rate of return there uh, because the rate of return is my ability to make it better. And then, you know, either have that as net worth, or potentially use it as a, you know, something to trade up to something bigger, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever the case may be. It's a forced, it's a forced savings plan, is what I think land is. That's a good point. You can't really borrow money to buy stock. You know, it's like, yeah, mm. yeah. You know, people frown on that. Yeah. You know, but you can borrow money all day long to buy land.
2: Hundred percent. You know,
0: you're making those payments. You're basically forcing yourself to save that money because a lot of that going into the equity of the property um not a lot of it but at least some of it so it's the forced savings plan
1: yeah i said bill would have some good resources just like dan did of lenders who are more familiar with lending on recreational land maybe with no structures on yeah, it. raw land yeah. yeah yep
2: yeah yeah you got
1: to
0: find yeah, a good one yeah yeah well i think the any of the the ag areas ag lenders they're getting pretty good at recreational land too unless it's just you know pure ag Area. Sure. I mean, all over Iowa, you know, all of the lenders realize that there are two types of loans, you know, there's the straight up ag loan, which more or less has to cash flow itself based on the farmer's ability to create revenue on that property. Mm-hmm. And then there's the recreational loan, which is basically, you know, can the individual make the payments on this with their outside income.
2: Yep. Yeah, and I mean wow. the ag, if you know, as a recreational landowner, or, even or if, can the
1: property generate some revenue to offset that as well? Which is
2: going to be tough because if you're trying to cash rent ag land, like you're not going to make enough to make those payments. It's just not no. the finances aren't sure. there. The timber is a good option, but typically that's like, can I make my down payment sure. back? That'd be fantastic. Taxes. Yeah, that's, yeah. that,
0: that's kind of what I would look at the timber. Yeah. When you're walking yeah. the property, if you're low on money for your down payment, you might have to get really creative and say, okay, the timber is going to make my down payment. So how do I get there temporarily? How do I stop that, you know, fill that gap until I can get the money off the timber to pay back my down payment. So like I said, where there's a will, there's a way. 100%. yeah. So people can figure it out if they want to badly enough.
2: Again, to the tenant question, one of the things that I found, and it's difficult and it's getting increasingly dis- difficult, but uh, kind of the holy grail of a recreational property is typically a, a really nice recreational property that also has a not in too rough shape residence that you potentially could fix up and then rent out and maybe eventually even sell sure. type sure. of thing. But easier said than done finding that usually.
0: Yeah, I always tried to uh, carve out the residences when I bought.
3: Survey it especially
0: out, especially those. Yeah, I didn't want, I didn't want the houses, mm-hmm. um, because I didn't want to be a landlord, and you know I didn't want to have the risk of of having to resell it. Mm-hmm. You know, so generally, what I would do is I'd say, you know, why don't you guys keep the house and five acres, and I'll take the rest or
1: whatever. Yep. Are Are you obligated to yeah. be? Can't can you also almost be like a non? Can, can you just say, like, here's the house, it's livable condition, you pay this, and for that price, I don't do anything?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Well, like I but said, not- I mean, it's your asset, though. If you let it go to garbage, right? If they trash it and things break, roof leaks, all of a sudden they, sure. they move out and you're stuck with nothing and still the mortgage. Yeah. Sure.
0: I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to be a landlord if I can help it, but,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, not to say that you couldn't buy it and then carve it out later and then sell the, the house, you know, separate on five acres as well. But, you know, myself, I just don't want that kind of income Yep. Uh, because it's it's more trouble than it's worth usually.
2: I, I think the only way I would see that being um, a valid option is if we go to some of the things we talked about, Dan, with doing self-directed 401ks and needing to mm-hmm. create income is if you surveyed that yeah. residence out and bought it with your 401k and then rented it essentially that's an income source you could then purchase conventionally the rest of the farm sure it,
1: but it I literally don't think you can the risk still exists at that of point, needing to
0: yeah at that point i don't think you can you can use the residence if it's in a correct no, no
2: no no you you Personally. would literally have to rent it out or eventually sell it or whatever like you couldn't use right. it at all correct yeah so yeah it, i mean again creatively a lot of ways to do this thing um yeah. <laughs> it, but it is a the 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 fear of debt in this society is, um, I, don't, is I don't know, is big. America was built on debt. I don't know his afraid. We're of still, we're still <laughs> acquiring it. I think,
0: I think consumer debt is bad. You know, that's just well, my yeah, very for conservative. Sure. You know, I mean, we pay off our credit card every month. Yeah, you know, we, we don't have a loan on our vehicles. You know, we just wait until we can afford. You know, to get the next one. Yep. Consumer debt, because then the money that you're putting in is eroding. But I think if you're buying real estate with debt, I, I believe that's—I would call that still an investment. I feel like, like it is one of the best yeah, investments. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's a—it's a forced savings plan. 100%. Know, that debt is actually going in back
1: into your pocket long term. And when you say best, maybe not necessarily most aggressive, fastest growing as a, no, no. a paper investment. Stable
2: appreciation, and ability to, to have on. an impact on exactly.
1: And as hunters, you know, we get to enjoy it in the meantime. Yes. Yeah. As long well, as, as you don't buy it with thing. your four hundred one k. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: It, it, well no, you can still enjoy the land.
1: Yeah. You just can't live in the house.
2: Yeah. If you segmented yeah. it out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Conventionally. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you bought the whole property sure. with the 401k, yeah, you can't do anything, I don't think. Okay.
0: Mm, I don't I think that's not true. I think you can still hunt it. Um mm. I think I think you just can't live there. It can't be a primary residence or or your residence. You might want to check into that deeper, but
2: uh, we definitely are gonna sure. dig into that. That's probably that Friday thing that we do, Strauss. So, but yeah, that's it, again, creativity wise, um, you know, if you want it bad enough, and and really, Bill, this all spurred from Jared and I talking and and kind of tangenting back how we started this discussion. Like we pay a significant amount of cash every year for leases, way too much, you know. And yeah. and ultimately, the amount of investment that we put into leases, I mean, there's some great ones that we have, but there's also some marginal ones. It's like man,
1: um, it's like unbelievable. Like we're paying more than almost more than you'd pay it in mortgage payment. There's no down payment yeah which is the big thing but there's yeah. no equity either
2: <laughs> you know right.
1: well
0: yeah. and that's that's kind of what started me buying land a long time ago was i had permission on a lot of properties but i was also helping the farmers you know i'd be bailing hay or building fence or whatever yep. and i was putting in about 20 hours a week on the farm for Whoa. six months out of the year just to maintain my quote unquote you know free hunting well i realized that for 20 hours a week you know i could just write more articles for the yeah. magazines it wasn't buy free. Land.
2: Yeah. It wasn't free. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: So that's what I did, you know? So I just, I said, well, I'm just going to buy land and I'm just going to spend mm-hmm. those hours, you know, creating income. And it's, it's, it's easier when time is money for you, but for people who have, let's say a, a, a traditional salary job where they, they're not going to get more money if they work harder, Correct. they'd have to get a second job, yep, which is doable. I mean, for sure, you got one, you got one job that, you know, pays the bills and the other job that you do on the weekends or whatever buys your land.
2: Yeah. Well, and again, if you want it bad enough, you'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you got to work. It, it, you can't expect to just do what you are doing and, and be able to get more things. Like it's the world doesn't work that way. That's right. Um, so, Bill, if we kind of tangent that into what you're looking at from a property standpoint, I mean, I would assume at, at your point in your life. Let's let's start with that. Your point in your life. Are you. Recreational value first. So
0: you're saying, what is this like your point in your life? That's kind of bad.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I was thinking the same it's thing so Bill. What's he saying? No, no, no. no. I'm just saying, like again, kind of that Jeremy. No, no. Listen, where you're at in in what you've done in your career see he's
1: that's what he's saying
2: again i'm not he's putting right an out. age on it
0: he doesn't want to come right out and say now that you're old no
2: oh, no no okay. listen we're not doing down that rabbit hole um what a jerk <laughs> but like you know but i and i say this because i also know bill's mind in that like he's always thinking investment still well, that's the point that he's investing in commercial real estate right now so Like, I'm just looking at in what you're looking at in a property now. Is it recreational value first? Are you looking for like the best place to grow deer first?
0: Right now, I'm just trying to find something that I can buy. Something that gets me back into the game. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you sit on the sidelines long enough, you forget how to shoot free throws and how to dribble. Yeah. Um, You know, you got to be in the game. You've got to have a chip in there. Um, So I'm just trying to find stuff that, May not be awesome, but it's not bad, mm-hmm. and you can get it at a reasonable price. Something you can go back to work on, you know, increase the value of the property a little bit. You don't want turnkey,
2: right? No, you you Is want that, something that you don't want something that's turnkey. You want something that you can get your hands around and work with.
0: Yeah, there aren't very many of them that are turnkey, um, and if there are, you you're going to overpay for you. it. Yeah, there really are very very few. Um, maybe one out of every thousand. Pieces of recreational land is actually everybody says, Oh, it's turnkey. It's not. Most of them, all they did is planted a couple of food plots. 100%. You know, and say, a oh, it's turnkey. System. Yep. It's not turnkey. There's a way more to a, creating a really good whitetail property than just putting in three acres of soybeans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, the uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to buy my dream property, but you know, you, you could sit for a long, long time and it may never happen waiting. Um, so, I think the key is, like I said, to get back in the game, get in the game. Um, and, uh, that way now you're a player people take you seriously, you know, when you show up and say, Hey, I'm interested in, you know, buying some land. They're like, Oh yeah, well, we saw you bought, you know, so-and-so's down the road there, I was going to say, are you,
2: are you interested in multiple pieces potentially?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd like to get back to where I was, you know, if I could,
2: Yep. because
0: you know, the whole idea with doing that tax exchange into commercial real estate was to create the revenue that could drive the debt, you know, or carry the debt. Yeah. Let me get back to where I was, but in a different part of the state.
2: Yep. Yeah. That's and, a big puzzle tricky to tricky. put together, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: you know, it's tricky. So you, you just gotta be, like I said, you gotta be in there with something.
3: You mm-hmm. know?
0: And, and, uh, once you start at it, once you get in there and, and, you know, stuff opens up, you know, doors, you know, people look at you more seriously, if you're their your neighbor than if you're some, just somebody knocking on the door.
2: Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I assume, um, obviously we said this thing's dropping first week of November. At what point do you like keep an eye on the properties, but you're really like, all right, it's November. Like I'm hunting this lease. I'm dedicated to this property. I'm, I'm looking for something to buy, but at the same time, I'm really focused on where I'm at.
0: I'm not super aggressive in my search. I was at first when I still had the 1031, you know, cash yep. that I had to figure out what to do with. Yep. But after I placed that, you know, I've become less aggressive, you know, and I'm hoping that my grapevine will shoot me some leads, which it has been. Mm-hmm. And uh, even stuff that gets listed, you know, people will call me and say, Hey, I heard that so-and-so is going to list such and such farm. Yep. So I'll call that realtor and say, you know, what's going on? Yeah, we're going to list that tomorrow. And I'm like, well, can I look at it today? You know? So, yes. I mean, I'm still, I'm still getting leads from people because of how many, you know, uh, contacts that I have in the area. So I'm, I'll never shut that down. Um, but like you say, when the hunting season comes, it's like, yeah, this isn't life and death sure. you know, buying the land. You know? So I'm just going to kick back and enjoy the hunting season. If somebody says, Hey, uh, there's a a property down the road that's going to come up for sale yeah i'll swing by and you know visit with them so but it's not like i'm beating the bushes i'm not beating the bushes hardly at all anymore i did yeah really really aggressively for about six to eight months and i mean i got tired of that
2: pretty fast easy enough to refresh the feed from the tree stand Mm -hmm. in the meantime (laughs) well i was gonna ask like i know um i've looked at a couple pieces just in the last you know two weeks really and i i've find myself really liking looking at these pieces seeing fresh sign and things like that is there a time of the year that you like to look at a property if you had a preference
0: well the best thing to do is to be a November cold-blooded, 7th. unemotional buyer yeah and uh you know you're not going to be a cold-blooded unemotional buyer if every tree has a scrape under it and yeah you know what i'm saying it's like so
2: <laughs> yeah so i can't I was- put my buyer face on oh god yeah. look at that rub <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, yeah, so the the I don't know about the best time of the year from that standpoint. Obviously, the best time is when it's available, when it's for sale. But um, you, you need to have a process where you approach the the properties where, you know, the last thing you want to do is visit it. You know, the first thing you want to do is, is sort of vet the neighborhood. You know, maybe you got friends in the area, maybe the game warden. You have a bunch of different people mm. that you can talk to to find out, you know, what goes on in this neighborhood.
1: You know, do, am I going to have problem with funny, any of it's my It's funny what you can turn um, up in a search like that. I'm <clears throat> just talking to some neighbors. Yeah. I did it this week. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you got to kick, there's always one rock you don't want to kick over like, Oh, I don't like the looks of this, you know, but that's the one that you have to most have to kick over because you're putting up a lot of money. You don't want to find out after the fact that, you know, such and such as sun is on your land all the time. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you need to be able to figure that out ahead of time. So, I always try to figure out as best I can the whole landscape of the neighborhood. Um, You know, look at the, the aerial photos, kind of get a feel for the property, you know, not like falling in love with it yet. You do all that stuff. And then at the end, if it's still okay, it's like, okay, you know, this one is still on the list. Then you go look at it. And if you go look at it first, you run the risk of falling in love with it and taking like emotional possession of it before you've gone through all that you know, that due diligence,
3: mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's
0: pretty risky. And, and, you know, realtors love that, you know, they, they want you to, for sure, to get excited about it because, you know, then you're going to buy it, uh, without doing all the due diligence. And, and, uh, sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to move fast, but it's, it's risky.
2: Do you feel um, like you have r- gut, gut reactions on some of these places when you see it, you're just like, yeah, this probably could be it.
0: Yeah. You can tell. Yeah. You can, if, if you're a hunter, And you drive around and, and, uh, you know, you don't see a bunch of tree stands on the fences and you don't see, you know, like you can, you get a sense of what's going on. You know, you, you don't have to have every single neighbor tell you exactly who hunts their property and, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, it helps to have a lot of experience as a hunter, if you're buying hunting land, because then you can start to see the problems. Yep. If there's a fence. If there's a fence that's laying down in the timber and it's like one wire and the neighbor's like, oh, yeah, don't worry
4: about it. You know, I mean, that's,
3: mm-hmm. everybody
0: knows that's the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are kind of risky ones, too. You have to kind of, you know, there's just certain things are a red flag. I mean, it's and uh, mine
2: think, tends think to think be
0: from this.
3: OK, go ahead.
2: Uh, I said mine mine tends to be power lines. Like when I look at an aerial map and I see a power line running through, I just feel like it's a, a gateway to trespassing. Cause it, mm. it usually intersects so many properties four, four wheelers like power. Lines. Yeah. It's easy, yeah. you know, yeah, and,
0: it's, yeah, it's different here. Yeah. We don't, we don't see that at all here.
2: Yeah. Um, I just see like instantly, like somebody enters the road on this power line here and they don't stop until they're on the road over here and they just don't um, care.
0: Interesting. Yeah. No, the power lines are fenced here.
2: Mm. Um, yeah, interesting. There's no,
0: there's no public access to any power lines.
1: I think, I think the the Midwest, anywhere there's, like, cattle or p- pasture or yeah. ag ground is typically f- fenced. The perimeters are a little easier to follow than, like, where you're at in So, like, I've, I've been looking at PA. Southeast
2: Ohio, you yeah. know, which is still a little bit rugged, not uh, right off the Ohio River. And, like, there's been some decent chunks, but then it's, like, like I can just visual Again, that's my red flag. I'm like, man, they're just like i kind of zoom in and see Dude, the four-wheeler uh, trail uh, like right through the power uh, line
1: i'll tell you what's a yeah. what's a red flag is and because we experience this on on our property and so and I'm not going to throw like base camp leasing under the bus here because sure. we lease, we have some leases through base camp leasing, but <clears throat> in our situation, so my family farm is, you know, here and we've put a lot of work into making it good with, you know, chainsaw work and food plots and, but it's bordered by a property that my uncle owns and he doesn't care at all about deer hunting. He's a cow farmer. He, he's a cattle farmer. Mm-hmm. And. He leases his portion through base camp leasing, and it's garbage hunting. It's it's pasture with cows in it. There's nothing good there. And so what happens is guys lease it. They pay too much for it, in my opinion, realize it's garbage hunting, and then they leave. And so every year, I've got new new stands on our border
2: every year. Yeah, and those guys are probably shooting the first, and they don't know three-year-old. Because eventually,
1: I'll meet them and I'll say, "Hey, you know, guys, we, we have had a stand right here for eight years. You know, it's like just would appreciate a little space." And they're like, "Oh, yeah, no, no problem." First proff- year, I mean, no problem. Yeah. Usually, and it's yeah, it's their first year, so they don't mm-hmm. know they're bumbling around, and yeah, that's it's, tough, man. It's been some headaches. Well,
2: that's the neighborhood thing, you know. I've seen some really good ones, even in the last couple of weeks in Southeast Ohio, with trail camera pictures to support good deer. But then like you just start talking to the neighbors and it's like, well, you just got to watch so-and-so here and -and so-and-so there. Like they tend to tend to like to walk across those lines. And as an absentee landowner, especially like that's, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think, I think you have to also have a uh, realistic expectation, Mm you know, sometimes just owning land without it being perfect um, is is a positive, um, you know, like I don't expect if I'm an absentee landowner that nobody's ever going to walk on my farm.
3: One hundred
2: fact,
0: the first thing I'm going to do is tell my neighbors, help yourself, you know, go mushroom hunting go Indian arrowhead hunting, whatever you want to do, ride your horses, just make sure that you and your guests and anybody else shut it down, you know, by September 1st or yep. whatever.
4: And then
0: that way it's almost like, um, they become part of, of your team.
2: Yeah. Your eyes. You know, rather- Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because they don't want to lose their rights to your land by letting people come in off their property. Yep. Um, so if you try to shut it down and turn it into like this, you know, a vacuum of, of you know that's gonna fill up with deer. I don't know if it's realistic. You no. know I mean, at at the end of the day, and you have to own so much land to have really good deer hunting that you control anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes you just gotta take a deep breath and go, ah, eh, you know, this is gonna be fun no matter what. You know, yep. I'm not gonna lose sleep over all the little stuff.
2: I think sometimes the mystique too of if you lock it down, the draw of trespassing is even higher than if you're kind of loose with the borders without, you know what I mean? Cause I bet, they're yeah. just like, well, what, like, what do you well, mean? Especially like, when you start
1: there? posting like at ad, your advertising, like QDMA and stuff. Those are, that's <laughs> yeah. what really does it. Yeah. If it's posted, if it's I, posted. I never,
0: yeah. I never posted any land. <laughs> um, I just went and talked to my neighbors Yeah, always you know, and just said, Hey, you know, I don't really want to post.
2: Everybody kind of knew you, the borders. Yeah. Can you
0: keep people out? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we can. You know, so that's better than throwing a whole bunch of no trespassing signs up. As soon as you buy something, everybody's like, oh, great. Some guy just, you know. And yeah. You got you to gotta think of it from the standpoint of the guy, the farmer, your neighbor, whoever that's lived there his whole life. And now you yes. show up and slap up a whole bunch of no trespassing signs as if to say, you know, keep your trespassing behind off my. You know, 100%. It's almost like an insult.
4: Yeah. I
1: completely agree with that, Bill. But at the same time, with my situation with the leasers, like I feel like there's no other way because I, I don't have a means of contacting yeah. these people. Sure. My uncle doesn't even know who they are. They're just, yeah, that's yeah. a different situation. Come in two, three times a year. and
0: Well, you need to have a little talk with your uncle, I think. Um, yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. problem is not the leasers. The problem is your uncle. Not yeah, right. is well, Indeed. you
2: said it, not me. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems to be well, I mean, I think that the, you know, the cool thing here is like uh there will be options. I, I think there's a lot of people, including myself, that feels, not, I won't say anxious, but a little bit of tension and like, man, like I've, I'm looking so hard to where almost to what you said, Bill, now that hunting season's there, like I'll keep an eye open, but I just want to enjoy the season. Like it, I'm too far into it. Like I'm not going to do anything effectively if I buy a piece of ground right now anyways, for this season, like, at this point it's like let's just enjoy what I have, focus on what I have, and then let's let's just keep an ear open of what could come down the pipeline.
0: Yeah, yeah something'll open up. I mean, it's right now we're just in a really weird period and everybody's kind of stressed out about it. Um mm-hmm. you know, but that doesn't mean it's gonna stay like this. You know, I, I feel like, you know, <laughs> land is always gonna be a good investment, but I think right now it's sort of like this land grab. Yes. And uh that can't
1: that can't last forever for, for, I, ever, for I sure. I feel like a lot of people are like um should i buy land or is the world gonna end
2: yeah that's pretty much the two options on it and yeah i think And if it is should i still buy land well and in my fear right now even though like i'm financially ready to buy land and there have been a few pieces that come up that i'm like eh, that could be the one if i look at the price to where i think it should be it's and this is not just from the hunter mindset this is from the investor mindset it's not that great of an investment like it's still good it's still solid but I do feel like there's a lot of overpricing right now going on. Bill disagrees. I can see in his eyes. Not
0: gonna find, you're not going to find bargains for quite a while. Yeah. I think you're going to find fair market price or a slight step up to, to market. That's what you're going to find for sale because there's too much demand and not enough supply. Yep. Those bargains- They you don't have exist. To be sell something for a bargain right now
2: yeah and so you're basically banking on like okay maybe it's not what I think it's worth but five na- five years from now it'll actually be more than what I paid for well, it. unless you what can-
0: you're really banking yeah. what you're banking on I think is that inflation is going to kick in yep and that it's going to be you know five percent six percent inflation for a while and then mm-hmm. the interest rates are going to go up mm-hmm. and you're locking in a low interest rate at a price that's you know realistic and then inflation is going to drive the, the, you know, the price of every type of, of real asset up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a good, you know, it's not a good, uh, I don't, I don't feel good about it for the economy, No, but I think if it's going to be an inflationary time, um, you should own land I, I or do, gold or silver or something, right. some hard asset.
1: Yep. Yeah. I, I do think like we're, in Kentucky, uh, Kentucky is the state that comes to mind, but may- maybe some parts of Pennsylvania too. Um, I agree, Billy, probably not going to find a bargain unless you can find a landowner who maybe doesn't understand the recreational value of their property. Mm-hmm. And there is no other agricultural or sure. leasability to that property. Well,
2: and that's where timbers yeah. really coming in play for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Once in a
0: while you'll find it. I mean, it was when I started buying land, I started back in the mid nineties and, uh, Nobody knew anything. I mean, I could have bought half of Southern Iowa. Was the internet around (laughs) then? No, there wasn't.
2: When did the internet become a thing?
0: uh, 97, 98, 99, kind of when it really started kicking in. See, now you're
2: coming back to when I said, Bill, at this time in your life. uh, (laughs) Yeah, back in the day, nobody knew
1: anything. You
2: could have
0: bought bought half of Southern Iowa for the (laughs) timber value. Well, not and that's exaggerating.
2: Yeah, I know. And I mean, serious. what's the Sat price of some
0: bought it and put money
2: in your pocket when you were done? Well, it's some of the, what's the price of that land right now? On well, average? I mean,
0: it's 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 pretty expensive. I mean, anywhere from, you know, thirty eight hundred for recreational up to you know six, seven, six thousand for recreational depends on where you're at in Iowa. But back then it was like three hundred and fifty dollars an acre. Well, that's two walnut trees.
2: That makes me want to vomit.
0: Oh I know. You can buy <laughs> if it had two walnut trees per acre.
1: Well, wow, but it's like can you go back be, in time and, and they know don't even how have much to be
2: good. Yeah. they don't even have to be good trees. Well you found a few, didn't you? Like you found oh, a few yeah, but I mean <laughs> it was already,
0: they were going up, you know, by then, the land was already going up by then. But you literally had you known anything, you know, back then, and I didn't, I was poking around trying to figure it out. But sure. you literally could have bought everything out there for the Basically, the cost of the. I mean, know, that's the just value uh, of the insider timber. trading. I, like, I had a uh, a friend down there, and this was in the '90s. I think it was in the early to mid '90s. He had 500 acres of solid timber. They wanted to sell it to him for fifty thousand dollars, hundred dollars an acre. Mm. But he said he wouldn't do it because he just couldn't see, you know, how it was going to be worth a hundred dollars an acre. Well, that's one tree. That's wow. less than one tree.
2: Would and, and I. I there's a lot of <laughs> speculation around this, right? What do you think? Could you could you point to a single thing or maybe a, a couple things that truly has driven the cost of land up? Not just in Southern Iowa, but just overall. What what, what would you think, Bill? Oh,
0: well, look at it this way. If you're looking at an, anything that you're going to buy and you say it's kind of a supply and demand driven thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a fellow tell me one time, this would have been probably in the nineties, mid to late no, early two thousands, maybe he said, finally, every acre of the world has been charted. You know, we now have an accounting of every single acre. He said, truly, this is a finite supply now for the first time. He said, now the world only has X number of acres. Everybody knows where they are Mm -hmm. and, and how many there are. He said, from here on out, nobody can say, oh, it's infinite supplies. He said, every, every year, there's going to be more demand and there's going to be less supply because of the development you know gobbling up farmland gobbling yep. up recreational land you know the cities are moving out you know so there's not only is the supply fixed it's going down yep and people say well you know they're not making any more of it well no they're actually
2: making less of it yeah it's you being know, taken away
0: that's right so the supply is going down while the demand is going up and people have finally become more aware of it. I think there's just more cash, more awareness of land
3: mm-hmm.
0: as an asset, as a, as a, as an investment asset. Um, used to be only farmers bought it. Right. And then they didn't care about the timber. Yep. So a guys just knocked on the door and they went deer hunting. Well, all of a sudden the whitetail became, you know, this, this, uh, sought after animal to hunt. And that gave some value to those, know that rough land that the farmers were basically giving away um, mm-hmm. when they sold their farms they sold the tillable and they gave away the rough land yep uh, that's how they that's how they valued farms back in the 80s and 90s yep uh, so anyway i think it's just an overall awareness of supply and demand i think it's the value that that the recreational resource brings people are now able to say i can't get permission to hunt the only way i'm going to be able to hunt long-term for myself and my family is to either lease or buy Yep, downsides of leasing. Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like people are are more aware of how valuable that lifestyle is. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I think it's a better investment for me because, you know, if you buy farmland, like we talked about the underlying asset or the underlying, you know, value component is the commodity that it produces. So if, if corn prices go up, the value of your farmland goes up. And granted, there is, there is a supply-demand squeeze in there too. For sure. But it doesn't make any sense for a farmer to pay $25,000 an acre for land if he can only produce you know, X number of dollars you know,
2: exactly.
0: per acre. Yes. There's, there's a, but because there's no underlying um, value or, or underlying uh, determiner of value with recreational land, it's only based on what somebody's willing to pay you know, it, it, so it's, it's more lifestyle driven. If they can go out there and they can go, ah, what I'm really buying is peace.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not
0: buying deer hunting. I'm not buying land. Freedom. I'm buying peace.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And and that's the thing that everybody's trying to figure out, you know, how do I get peace in this crazy world? Well, that's one way you can get it. It's about in the middle of a 300 acre piece of land that you own and just go, ah, yeah. you know, so I, I feel like that isn't going to change. Uh, this is just my own, my own thoughts on it. I don't, I don't feel like people are going to say, unless we have a complete meltdown of our economy, I don't think people are ever going to take recreational value for granted again, like they used to.
3: No,
2: especially post COVID. I mean, the fact that at one time, everybody wanted to be in the cities, close to your work, moving around. Now I feel like as a society, it's like, I don't want to be anywhere near people, you know? And so I, I almost feel like we, I won't say it ceased, but I thought we saw like a throttling, of urban sprawl there for a little while because they were redoing like old buildings in the city and old factory buildings. And that was a cool thing, like living in an apartment in the city in this old fact. Now I feel like you're going to start seeing this urban sprawl happen again because all these people don't want to be on top of each other in the city. Um, and again,
0: well, it'll, it'll, it'll yeah. cycle back. It's yep. like everything else, you know, it, 10 years from now, these people that bought this 40 acres are going to go, gosh, this is too far from work. And, yep, you know, I've had my fun here. You know, it wasn't quite as cool as I thought it would be. I didn't like that barking dog. You know, they sell. Um, yeah. I don't feel like, you know, I, I think the the long-term supply of recreational land is always going to drop because of development. And like you say, people moving out into the yep. country, but it's not I think what we've seen with this pandemic is, is a unique uh, snap picture, you know, it's a gold rush. Yeah. So it feels like this is, yeah, I don't think it's long-term. I think it's going to, it's going to run its course. Yep. Um, And and then people are going to say, "Oh, I don't really, I'm not
2: really a country person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And And I'll be there there. to buy it up when you're done. Anything else we should add there, Bill, or you feel like we covered it pretty adequately? Mm,
0: I think we, I think we covered it. i think we could maybe say something so that we didn't feel like we alienated our listeners that just can't afford land i think we need to say something yeah. about maybe you can't afford it now but this is something that watch the hunting public you know 10 years yeah I feel like, <laughs> what's that i said go watch the hunting yeah, public
1: <laughs> that's right
0: but i feel like this is something that everybody should be thinking about because i remember like even back in Albion. People would come up to me and say, "Oh man, it's gotten so expensive." I'm like, "Yeah, it has, but yep. it's only going to keep going up. So you better buy." Well, and don't keep talking about it.
2: I, I think the first step um, for anyone listening is uh, your your primary residence, right? That's that's your main asset um, in terms of what you own, and and everybody as they pay their mortgage uh, and hopefully there's appreciation in areas is building equity in their primary residence. Um, though maybe it's not the most advised way of doing it but that equity could be used um to purchase land but that still is kind of like that's your foundational piece there so you know the the fact is you may just have to lease like you you may not be able to buy right now you you may just say hey listen I'm paying down my primary residence you know I have a vehicle payment still which is 90% of America I'm sure um and maybe you you just have to lease ground for the interim unless, I don't know unless you own a business what they have
0: to do is they have to work harder uh, there you that's go. What they have to do <laughs> that'll work too so, well no, uh, I'm dead serious that's uh, it yeah you can say anything you want to at the end of the day if all they're going to do is complain about what somebody else has that they don't have it's because they're not willing to work hard enough mm-hmm. to get there
2: well and, in, and especially in today's society I mean there are, there is a massive shortage of workforce so if you yeah. work an eight to four job if you want land and it's I'm not saying it's easy But go get a second job.
0: It wasn't easy for me. I was working 80 hours a week. So, I mean, we could talk about that. Maybe that's where we kind of transition because that's what people have to do. They can can poo-poo all they want to about Mm -hmm. everything else. But at the end of the day, if they're working a a 40-hour-a-week job and they're complaining that somebody else has something that they don't, it's probably because the other guy's working an 80-hour-a-week job.
2: Well, Bill, when you and I met, I was working full-time for Cabela's. I was traveling around the country to different stores, to your property and stuff. And yet in the evenings, I started Stone Road Media, which is where I'm at now full-time. But like for three years, I worked, you know, eight to four or longer at Cabela's. And then from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. or later some nights, I worked my other job. Like that's whatever time the family, because I still had to have family time. I had young sons, but like. Ultimately, like you had to figure out how to, to just find time to earn other income.
0: Yeah, that's it. You got to get the first down payment or, or, yeah, and and you're not going to get that, uh, in any timely basis at all, unless you're making a lot of money, like a really good job. Correct. If you're just the average guy,
1: you have to work a second job.
2: Yep. No doubt. you know,
1: that's all there is to it.
2: And I mean, the, the beauty of this country is, or in your
1: case, start a business.
2: Well, yeah, I was going to say, or buy buy a business, be, be self-employed, be a, be an entrepreneur, you know, and, and that could be as much as writing,
0: Bill. Yeah. There's tons of stuff. I mean, you could mow lawns, you could, you you could become a a plumber. I mean, how, how hard is it to get a plumber to come to your house right now?
2: Extremely difficult.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that means that if you're if you have a, a, if you're a licensed plumber, it can't be that hard to become a licensed plumber. You yeah. know, you could show up in the evenings and make, you know, $45 an hour or whatever plumbing.
2: I mean, yeah. Look at all of the, um, you know, online classes for certifications or, you know, whatever it might be. The, the fact is, is that there's no lack of opportunity in terms of what we're doing here to, to earn income and be able to, you know, create extra revenue for your family to be able to use and invest
0: to be very polite about it. yeah. You know, if you really want to buy land, you have to create that extra income that allows you to do it.
2: Well, and I I think the other big thing too is, um, and you brought up a really good point when we were even talking about what your expectations are here is like, you know, out of the gate, especially if this is your first property that you're investing in or purchasing, you, you know, your dream property might not exist. Right. But what what can you get in an area that you want that checks as many of your boxes as possible Uh, and including the big check is how much can I afford? Right. You know, and then that's where you start. And that doesn't mean that's where you have to end. I mean, look where you're at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you can move. You can move fairly quickly once you're in the game. Um, Yeah. But if, like I said, if you're sitting on the sidelines, there's a lot of skills that the people who are playing every day uh, have that the people sitting on the bench, watching the game, never acquire. So you got to be in there.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a good point. And I mean, that's that's kind of where I, I try to, uh, again, like no knock on leasing because we're going to do it. I probably will continue to have some sort of lease here and there because there's just areas that I want to hunt in the country that's not smart. Like it's not a good investment for me right now. Um, but in other areas where I am spending more time, like I want to figure out a creative way to buy, you know, whatever I can get. Just the the (coughs)
1: the longer we do it, leasing just seems like it's putting you further and further away from everything we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And it probably depends on what your style is. If it's your only access to hunting ground, which I can't believe that it is, um, you know, that's one thing.
2: Or like we have places in Southern Illinois, which frankly, I have no desire to own a place there. And if that's the access that I need to kill a 160 in Illinois, great. Then I'll keep it. And if I look at the balance between how I use it for business expense write-offs, great.
1: Yours is a a business expense. But I mean, if you look at it purely in in terms of like a a time allocation and to say, all right, I'm going to commit myself to starting a business or having a second job that creates enough revenue for me to lease this piece of property for Mm $6,000 a year versus I'm going to use that time and go out and scout public land or get permission. I think when it comes to, you know, solely finding access to to a place to hunt, let alone all this other stuff we've been talking about, the latter
2: is going to be a better option. Yeah. I think, Bill, one of the things that I'm curious at, and we've kind of taken a different approach than we normally do this year um, from a hunting standpoint, is we have properties to hunt in a lot of different states. And frankly, there's not enough time, right? I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. You know, you've always been very focused on, on Iowa. Um, you know, and I think we even brought this up on the last podcast. If you thought about hunting other areas, other States, um, where do you still stand on that?
0: I don't think so. I'm at my stage in life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. No, I, I like, uh, I like being around friends and family. Yeah. You know I mean? It's, the, the quality of the experience is getting to be more important to me than the number of bucks I kill or even the quality of the bucks. Um, like, I looked at a piece of land and made an offer on it here recently, and I didn't care. I didn't I didn't want to see any trail cam pictures. I didn't care. You know, the guy said, well, I think the neighbors are killing. I'm like, I don't care what they're killing. You know, hmm. I just want to have a cool piece of land. You know, yep. there'll be big enough deer on here. I'll be satisfied. You know, it's it's going to be the quality of the experience. And if you get too wrapped up in saying, no, "Oh, I've got to kill a 170 every, you know, two or three years, whatever the case may be, everybody's got some number. It takes away from the, the quality of the experience. Um, if I go out of state to hunt, it's only going to be because I'm hunting with good friends and that's where they're at.
2: Interesting. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I've hunted my whole life, maybe chasing that pot of gold, you know, at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. And I found out that the pot of gold is right in your backyard. Ooh, um, it's not out there someplace. Uh, it's, it's the people that you spend your time with the cool places that you, that you find yourself and occasionally you kill something. Um, that's what hunting is supposed to be. And that's when you go back to the way it was when you were a kid, that's what it meant to you. I mean, that was, yep. it was exciting just to go. And, and, uh, you know, so that's what I'm coming back around to is, is, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to chase all over the place, trying to kill four or five, you know, whatever I could do that, you know, but what's the point? Um, and, and, you know, you say it's a business expense or, or a business thing, and, and maybe it is when you're establishing a reputation. But you know, for me, it's more about just do, you know what sounds like fun. Uh, yeah, and, and that doesn't sound like fun to me anymore. Um, uh, You know, finding my buddies, calling up my friend and saying, "Hey, you know, can I come over to your farm and shoot a doe?" You know, and they're like, "Yeah, come on over, that'd be awesome." You know, so we hang out and shoot a couple of does, whatever. I mean to me, that's, that's part of the quality of the, the overall experience where, you know, just killing another 150 inch deer to, you know, show on social media or whatever. I could, I could care less about that
2: now. Does that, um, um does some of that feeling now come from how hard you had to work when you had Midwest whitetail?
3: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, in 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 it was still then.
2: in the backyard, but I mean, just think of, yeah. I don't want to say it was pressure. Cause I know you personally, but some of the listeners might not, but like, I think it's just wisdom. I mean, we all know guys with a wall full of
1: booners that are miserable and they're, well, yeah. and they're still chasing that pot of gold. Yeah? yeah.
0: And and you'll never be satisfied. There's always a bigger one. Somebody always shoots one bigger than you, mm-hmm. um, you know, unless you're just that one person, you know, that kills the world record. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but
2: very likely it's not consistently that you're killing yeah. big bucks.
0: Yeah. So it has to be the quality of the experience. And if you're losing sleep over white tailed deer, then, uh, you're doing something wrong. Oh, shit. Uh, because <laughs> I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> you shouldn't be losing sleep over it. Um, and that's the conclusion I came to a while back. Because I had one year where I was really miserable because I had a really, really big deer and I screwed it up. And, you know, I was kicking myself all season. When the season was over with, I said, I'm never doing this again. I'm either going to quit hunting or I'm going to change my attitude, you know, about this sport. Uh, I'm never going to worry that my neighbor might kill it or some poacher might get it or, you know, the, I'm just going to go have fun, you know, try to hunt the best deer that I can find, have fun hunting those deer. I either get them or I don't get them. Um, so I think that's important. Uh, but anyway, that, that, that doesn't really answer your question. No, it doesn't. What, what buck
2: was that? Sorry, Bill. I'm just curious. What buck? Uh,
0: There was a deer that I, it was in 2004. Um, it was a buck on the farm that basically grew up on our backyard and he was a I let him go as a two-year-old, but my wife shot at him three times one day and missed him from a, a stand right off the edge of our yard. Is that
2: the one that became a super super giant three-year-old? Yeah, I remember he eighty-five
0: inch, hundred eighty-five inch three-year-old. He was a two hundred twenty-five inch four-year-old, and I hit him. He ducked the string on me. I mean, it was a fluky situation where the wind died and then swirled up and went the wrong direction, and he picked me off and ran out and stopped. And I, I shot, and he dropped, and I hit him above the spine. I mean, it was way high, just like flicked off his back. And, uh, he, uh, you know, I saw him again five days later and he looked fine, you know, and then the neighbors found him dead that winter. And I'm sure I didn't kill him because like I said, five days later, he totally looked good. Yeah, he looked lost fine. no blood. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't, you're not going to get an infection on a high hit from an arrow. No. Um, it just doesn't happen. So he was something else killed him, but, you know, I just beat myself up over that deer so bad, you know, for screwing that up, you know, just, i would just lay there on bed and stare at the ceiling it's like man you know that was such an awesome deer beautiful big six by six frame you know with a few stickers on there and um when the season was over i thought you know that was one of the worst seasons i've ever had as i think we've
2: as- all done that though i mean and it may be not yeah. of that caliber of deer but we all probably if you hunt long enough and you hunt hard for us i think it's the difference between i hunt hard or i hunt hard for a particular deer those are the ones that, again, to your point, and I hate it, I have stayed up at night thinking, like, like what did I do? Mine was a 180-plus-inch deer in Kansas that I drilled directly into the shoulder joint and got zero penetration and just, like, 22 yards, just blew the shot. You know, just, yeah. just
0: blew it. No, and, and it sucks, but, you know, if— if the pressure or the intensity of the pursuit or whatever you want to call it takes away from the joy of hunting, yep. then uh, we crossed a line. And uh, I think it's important not to cross that line because this is supposed to be a pure sport uh, that, that offers uh, peace and, and you know, a chance to hit the reset button after, you know, a crazy life that we live. We go to the tree, not to get a crazier life, mm-hmm. but to reset from the, the one that we're leaving behind. Um, So if we can't do that, if the deer are making us crazier than the world that we're leaving in order to hunt them, then uh, we've got our priorities
2: messed up on this. Did you feel that from a filming standpoint?
0: No, uh, I was okay with that. I didn't like the way the viewers reacted, you know, to some of the stuff that we did, you know, as far as like when we make mistakes. uh, And and I would get bummed out, you know, when I screwed up on camera too, but. um,
2: That's life The viewers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the viewers they would gosh, they would hang you out to dry on on some of that stuff, but um no, that was I didn't feel the pressure to kill stuff uh on Midwest whitetail. Uh I was more it it didn't change my love of hunting. I kept them separate. You know, there was sure. hunting and then there was the business of hunting. So when yep. I went hunting, I was having fun and then the rest of the stuff we had to do, you know, like finding sponsors and keeping everybody happy and keeping your employees happy and all that other stuff, you know, the business of it, you know, that was different. That was something else. So I didn't let the two cross over uh, which was good because I still loved hunting through that whole process. I never got where I didn't like hunting. Um, I might've got burned out on the business of hunting, but,
3: um,
0: but no, I think you know. getting back to your, your question. I would rather spend the whole season hunting my, my, favorite stomping ground and not kill one then run all over the place and kill two or three um i want to i want to hunt where i want to hunt with the people that i want to be around and uh if that creates success then then that's even more satisfying than just the pure success of having you know four or five deer that you killed in in different places and um, maybe that'll change someday, but I don't think so. I think I'm becoming more and more like those six and seven year old bucks whose home ranges keep getting smaller. <laughs> can I, can I, I ask? I, I've got a little, if you're trying to kill me, I got a little core area. Got to, <laughs> it's that couch. It wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't be too hard to pattern. I think you can find me in, in, in pretty, pretty easy daylight pattern.
2: Well, let me ask you this on a personal question. Cause this, uh, I know we asked this when we started, um, prior prior to the podcast, and this is kind of the way I hunt too, is, um, you know, I've been out once, but it's been with my kids, uh, hunting and frankly, it's been a super warm October. And I know you're very particular on hunt when it, it makes sense to hunt. We talked about front maybe coming through now and tomorrow being that day, but, um, do you find, do you get antsy? Because like, uh, based on what you're saying here, you know, you really enjoy being in those stomping grounds in those places. Do you get antsy to hunt, even though it might not be the right time?
0: Well, I spent the last couple of weeks fishing, um, you know, just, just kind of winding down the trout season and still being outdoors enjoying October.
2: Cause you're in a Um, driftless area, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's trout, trout to chase and, uh, you know, everybody's got other things they can do outdoors too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with going out hunting. You just don't want to do it in your better spots. Got it. Maybe you've got an area where you can take a couple of does out, you know, whatever. Um, there's nothing wrong. I think you should hunt October. I mean, the only reason I'm not hunting October, uh, typically is, uh, I've got other things I, I can do outdoors that I like to do. Um, so, you know, being in a tree is awesome, but I can, I can be on a trout stream too. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's October is awesome. It's uh, probably my favorite month. Uh, the weather is so nice, mm-hmm. you know, typically, you know, in, in the, towards the end of the month, the deer hunting starts to pick up. Excuse me prior to that you know maybe there's ducks to hunt or there's yep you know uh maybe there's uh other upland game or something that that you can chase uh there's there's plenty of stuff to do outdoors without going in there and and uh messing up some of your better spots because you're impatient
2: yep makes sense yeah i mean that's something i feel like i struggle with we talked about it before about trying to not overhunt camera data and stuff like hey i'm i'm not seeing them i'm not seeing them eventually like Got to realize, like, that camera's not capturing everything. Like, sure, you want to time your hunt right, but, you know, by the time he shows up in daylight on your camera, like, it's too late. You're a step behind.
0: (laughs) Well, that you can almost anticipate that, though. I feel like in October, it's those cold fronts. Uh, Even if you're not getting daylight pictures, you should be in that, as close to that buck's core area as you can be when an October front rolls through, especially if it's a pretty sharp one. Yep. Um, Then you got a day or two there, and then you bounce back out again, and you stay away until the next front Mm -hmm. and then finally you start getting towards the last week of October or the first part of November and then you start hunting consistently because now you got the rut you know that's kicking in.
2: That's what I was going to say what's what's your on average what's your magical day to say I got to be in the stand almost every day?
0: I always try to shoot for the 25th of October Um, that's my start date Yep. Uh, unless I've got some kind of buck on camera and even then I'm I'm kind of cautiously moving into it on the 25th because I may not even have you know, like a specific buck on any kind of a daylight pattern. But I know that it's going to start to happen and I need to be in front of that curve. Have you to don't be. want to wait until it happens. Yeah. You know, because like you said, you can be a day late and a dollar short. Um, you want to be there when that first doe in his area comes into estrus. Yep. Which means from 25th on, you know, you run that kind of that opportunity uh, every time you go out.
2: I feel like I've seen mine as early as the 23rd or 4th. Uh, But normally 25th to 28th is kind of that first, like multiple bucks in an area on a doe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it makes sense then, you know, you can, you don't have to feel like, well, I'm, I'm ruining my hunting spots. Mm -hmm. Um, You might come into it cautiously. You know, you don't just dive in on top of your best spot where the impact is the highest. Yep. Uh, You kind of work your way into it. I always feel like the seventh to the 12th, you know, fifth to the 12th, 13th, that's when you need to be in your best stands. That's when you need to have all your ducks in a row. You need to have enough, you know, of, of, you know, feet on the ground, sort of a, you know, thumb to the wind, you know, you can kind of feel how things are going. That's why you need to hunt, you know, some prior to then, because you got to get a sense of, you know, where are they? You know, Mm -hmm. how are the deer moving? What's going on? I got my stands in the right spots. You know, am I getting in and out of there clean? You need to have stuff kind of tweaked in so that, when when the the best part of the rut comes, you're not then trying to play catch up.
2: Yep.
1: This is a luxury of having exclusive access to a property because <clears throat> we find I find myself having to like get ahead of the other guys that are buying yeah. our yeah. property. It's like, man, I don't want to rush in, but if I don't hunt that, somebody else is going to.
0: Yep. Well, and then I think October is good for that, um, especially the last week because mm. it seems like everybody shows up you know, in early November. Um, and, and, and the last week of October can be really good. It's just, you hate to have your season revolve around, you know, something that's really prior to the rut, uh, yeah. because, yeah. you know, you really want to enjoy the rut, you know, that's so, yeah, I, I get that. It kind of stinks. And, you know, the people who went public land a lot, they, they deal with that and, uh, yep. the only way you only way you combat it is to hunt places where nobody else goes
2: yeah get deeper um, hey, yeah. so on for this year obviously you're hunting the lease. so how many buck tags does that get you in iowa
0: well i can shoot one primary buck or, or, or primary uh, bow tag statewide mm-hmm. and then there's a late primitive weapons tag that comes in after the shotgun season which can be either a muzzleloader or a bow mm-hmm. and uh, that late hunt on land that you don't have really, really good control of, it usually doesn't work very well. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have, you got to, you got to dial in a piece of property for the late season to work for a bow hunter. Yep. Um, and I, I know people who do it here and there and have some success, but you know, if you don't really have control and you have a little food plot set up that are just, you know, ideally situated for late season hunting, that's really tough with a bow. Yeah. Um, so I always figure, you know, as a a, a non landowner i've got one legitimate crack yep. that late season is really really a crapshoot if i don't own land so if you own land then you get what's called a landowner tag yep. in iowa and you can designate that for whatever you want so i would designate that for bow yep but i'd have two bow tags for the rut and then if you're a landowner again you probably have enough control you can leave a nice little small food plot where you might have a chance during that late season um where it's not just a total you know 2% crapshoot like it is most times.
2: Which I think you did pretty well when you had your Southern Iowa place. Like you had a, you yeah. had areas that you knew were going to produce late season and draw deer in because of the food.
0: It's still tough. Uh, it'd be easy with a muzzle loader. Yeah. but you're still dealing with deer that are pretty wary mm-hmm. and uh, just getting them within, you know, 35 yards. is still pretty tough. We did it occasionally, but not very often, even in that setting where it was that ideal. It was still really tough to kill them with a bow during that
2: late season. Yep, I think it always is. I mean, no matter what you do, weather, predict, you know, it literally they're back to that food bed mentality, you know. Yeah,
0: and they're really wary. And there's the buck is usually the last one out, so there's X number of sets of eyes <laughs> and moses, <laughs> right. you know, that are gonna, yeah, you know, they're gonna run the interference for him. And and uh so I, I've always told people if you really want to be good during the late season, you take a loader You know, you have a blind, you know, a scent a scent containing blind. Mm-hmm. on the edge of a nice little food plot you go in there and you sleep on the floor of the blind until like the last 20 minutes of legal shooting time <laughs> you poke your head up and look out the window and then you shoot the buck that's out there because <laughs> all the other stuff that you do with your face looking out the window i mean they those does pick that up yeah and then they're snorting and running and you never see the buck and so i mean they're so wary of everything and and uh they don't even need to be hunted hard to get that wary. There's just something about that late season that just makes them spooky.
2: They're just on edge, you know? And yeah. even if you don't think you're pressuring your property, like again, unless you own a giant chunk, those deer are on other places that likely are getting pressure.
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah. So, well, let's kind of get down to brass tacks then. What do you got this year? You got a good one pegged out?
0: Well, I mean, I'm assuming so the the property was in corn. Mm-hmm. And I think he's in there picking it. He was in, he started yesterday. And, uh, I didn't get around in there because it's hard to go into a property, this corn from tree line to tree line, because, you know, I don't want to be walking everywhere, carrying a, you know, all my setups way back in there and then yep. leaving sent to every place, you know? So I always wait until the crop is out, then run, you know, my, my, uh, trail camera trap line with a four wheeler. Yep. And, uh, that's just a lot quicker. You don't leave any scent, you know, I throw a pair of waders on, you know, and I can, I don't leave any scent near the camera locations. So the, what I'm saying is I haven't ran any cameras yet. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. But there were, there were several nice bucks last year that never got killed. And one in particular that, uh, I got a pretty good beat on where that deer is going to be. You know, I don't know it for a hundred percent fact, but I would bet 75%. I know which Ridge he's living on. Um, and, and he should be a lot bigger. He was a really, really nice three-year-old last year. Maybe, yeah, I mean, he wasn't a four-year-old. I mean, I'd just be pretending to say that he was, but you know, hunting on a lease, you know, my target age is changing from, you know, when I was hunting on my own land. Um, yep. you know, I, I probably would let a four-year-old go no matter how big he was, you know, towards the end on my own land, but you know, I, I will definitely shoot this deer. Um, uh, <laughs> he'll be a really good deer. So, you know, I've got some ideas of ways to hunt him and you know, I'm going to try something and and we can have some fun with this, but um, I I decided that the hardest part of hunting this property is getting to and from the ridgetop stand locations. Okay. So let's say you can go in there, you're trying to hunt them in the morning. I don't have top, top access from the fields above. And even then, you know, if you're coming in across fields, you're bumping, you know, to get to a ridge, you're still bumping deer, you know, yep. so they bet on these ridges, you know, in my particular piece, they, the food is in the bottom mm-hmm. and then they go up onto the ridge as well. If you're trying to go in there in the morning to get ahead of them, you're going to be bumping them all the way in. So let's say you go in there in the evening and you can somehow sneak in there on a windy day or something like that, you know, and get in there and get set up. Um, you shouldn't leave um, because if you leave, you'll never get back. So I'm going to, I've got this little bivy sack. In fact, it's laying on the floor right next to me here. Are you it's trying
2: a, to tell me you're going to sleep in that stand overnight?
0: Not in the stand. I'm going to sleep at the base of the tree.
2: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> only so only you, don't do, you
0: don't do that with the cameraman.
2: No, um, you could. Know, so, you know, if it gets yeah. cold, you just got to snuggle on cool. that sleep. I don't bag. like the sound of
3: that. One.
0: <laughs> That's no, so funny, man. I bought some, I bought a zero degree bag Yeah, and I've got a, a little bivy. I call it a, it's sitting right here. REI shell bivvy is what it's called. Okay. Let me pull it up here. Believe it or not, this is going to be what my sleeping bag goes into at okay. the base of the tree. So uh, I'm going to have a little blow up air mattress to keep, you know, some insulation from the ground. I'm going to climb down at the end of legal shooting time slide into my little sleeping bag down at the base of the tree, you know, hopefully the deer don't, you know, come up and, and, uh, paw me to death. Wow. During the night. You probably uh, you uh, need to just set it like
1: a- consecutively
2: until you kill it. <laughs> Pam doesn't like, I mean, see you I, I for weeks you at a time.
1: Until, <laughs> I think
0: you do it until you cannot endure it any longer.
2: So how are you going to get my food is, and stuff in?
0: Well, you got to take a little bit of food with you. Well, yeah. You know, so you got to have something that will keep you warm because that's when one, the other thing I found is if you Starve yourself during the fall; you just freeze. Yes. Uh, so you've got to have, you know, food with some fat content. You know, stuff like you know, beef jerky is a pretty decent source. You know, even like salami and stuff like that. You know, where you've got, you know, a little bit of fat content to go along with some of the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you can't go wrong eating stuff like salami.
2: Yep. Um, I like that. Um, obviously.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's. So we'll talk in the, in a month and see. Uh,
1: if you're out. <laughs> <laughs> I've, thought, I've thought about that so many times. Did that access to, in Kansas, yeah, where we hunt in public lands. Yeah. And it's not that you can't get in there. It's just such a hassle every time. It's like in a kayak, down the river, across a big field, 20-minute yeah, drive. Leave? Right. Why guess, I've often thought that. Why leave? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So then the other option, and I looked at it, and it was a little bit more expensive, and I felt like maybe a little bit more intrusive. But, you know, you watch those rock climbing videos. That's and, what I was thinking you were
2: going to do. Yeah.
0: The, those, those ledge... Yeah. Or whatever they're called. Yeah. I Portaledge maybe is one of the manufacturers. I looked at them, but they're like,
2: they're expensive, thousand dollars. Yep.
0: They're like super expensive. And then there you, you know, you're stuck out in the tree, and maybe that's better. I don't know.
2: Like up off you the know, ground at least. But yeah. then, like, yeah. do you have to break that down before daylight mm-hmm. so it's not so, you know, but you'd set true... it right above
0: your stand. Yeah. You know, you'd screw it right into the tree right above your stand. Then you'd climb out of it right back into your stand at you know, sometime in in the early morning and take it apart and put it away. Um, I mean, that has potential, but what
1: well, if you just, just slept in a saddle, year, how about this bill? Just devil's advocate. I mean, a blind is a much more livable situation. Like, could you get a blind into a, a hunt? I, I realize it's not the same as hunting from a tree stand.
0: Yeah, it's tough because your visibility is so limited in a blind. Uh, mm-hmm. The deer get on you too quick. Blinds work really good in open places, you know, where you've got time to see yeah. the deer coming, and then they're, they're there, you know, but what if you have a buck chasing a doe past your blind sure you know and it's like you hear something and you because you can't have all your windows open otherwise they're going to see you and yep. smell you yeah So now you've got to react quick and, and it's like oh gosh you know not
2: ideal well and if you're on no. the top of the ridge you should have but you'd be fairly, warm, you'd be warm at night yeah well but you should have <laughs> yeah. fairly consistent winds too that hopefully are you know at least oh, predictable well, what about just like in the tree like it seems like it'd be pretty easy in addition to a
1: Uh, a safety line to strap yourself in and then do like a heater bodysuit or something.
0: I don't know. Have you ever tried to sleep like sitting up? Yeah. That sounds really bad
1: to me. Uh, I'd Um, be, no, in a car, I guess. (laughs) I'd be just
3: like laid out. I I would just, I would
1: would just hang by my safety harness.
0: Oh, I think you'd be miserable. I don't
2: know. I fall out of bunk beds, so I'd be in the world of trouble. I believe (laughs) Yeah, it'd just be like hanging there in the middle of the morning. Hmm.
0: so here's the other thing i thought about and, and does pam approve of this here.
2: bill first what what's that have you let pam in on your your journey i yeah, know she she laughs at me
0: um, <laughs> because i don't know what she thinks
2: well just I make sure you drop her insane. a pin so if you don't come back like we can go find you <laughs> yeah this will be this
0: is going to be way less uh, of, of an adventure i just got back from british columbia not too long ago mm-hmm. talking about you know being off the yeah you know, off the radar and 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 off the grid, so to speak. But um, that was that was a real adventure. What we're talking about here is just can you endure, yeah. you know, some discomfort. Um, it's there's smart no real though. Danger with this. I mean, What's I mean, that?
2: think about how intrusive it is trying to come in and out. Yeah. Of a stand.
0: Yeah. So the question is, how much? Will they pick up on me when I'm laying there? I think, you know, because, you know, there's going to be some movement, not a lot, but some movement during the night on that ridge. Mm -hmm. You're banking on the fact that the deer are leaving the ridge to go to the food and they're not coming back until the morning. So there's not going to be that many deer there during the night. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're hoping at least that you're not educating a whole bunch of deer overnight.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but just like a ground blind, although you may not want to hunt out of it. If you set up a ground blind within a couple of days, those deer don't care. They walk right by. Yeah, you
0: could, you could have a little hotel, literally. And I tried this. Since I was going to say last year, I tried it with a, a couple of redneck blinds. I put them in spots that I thought could be like my little redneck hotel, you know, where <laughs> I wouldn't make it all the way back sure. to my truck. But I enough. stop. Yeah. yeah. I'd at these at these blinds, sleep in those blinds, and then go back up. Yeah. But then you're still coming and going. And if it's really still conditions, you know, and gosh, you're still bumping deer like crazy. Because those blinds. You know, unless you can, you know, you could put the blinds out on the ridge, probably if you can get access to it mm-hmm. and then just walk, you know, a hundred yards over and sleep in your blind and then walk back and get in the tree. But, you know, that seems like an awful lot of trouble and I can just grab that little hundred dollar sack.
3: Yeah, no, I like
2: that plan. How how precise are you planning this? Is it just like, hey, October 25th, I'm starting and I'll see you when I get done.
0: Uh, I'm going to try it tonight at home. <laughs> Uh first <laughs> in my backyard before I give you a final answer. I'm gonna try it outside tonight. And and if it's tolerable and makes any kind of sense at all, because you know, you also have to carry that stuff with you when you go in to set your stand up. Yep. So it's like, you know, there's only so much crap you can carry.
1: Are you gonna do um, anything to build a medicate? You know, the longer you don't shower, like the more you're gonna generate some kind of odor. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Well, you know, I'm not gonna shower, obviously. So It'll just have to be what it is. Um, <laughs> I, I don't anticipate, you know, beating all the deer all the time. Uh, but it does I sound like it an adventure.
1: Fun. Yeah, it does yeah sound it, it'll like be fun. fun. It'll yeah, be something have, different. Have you done anything, too, Bill, to uh, train yourself for the cold?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't sleep with a lot of covers in the house.
2: But okay, no, I'm all not right,
0: tough, I'm not. <laughs> I I'm sleep not naked with I the window
2: to. open. Well, I hope you, that's not you, a problem. You I, just uh, did British Columbia, so I mean.
0: Yeah, it was cold
2: up there. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say,
0: but I froze too. <laughs> uh, it wasn't like I I toughed it out. I mean, it was yeah. I I lost a bunch of weight just shivering. Uh, but the uh, I think it was Admiral Byrd, wasn't it? The one of the guys that went to like yep. North or South Pole. Yep, it was. Um, I read his story, and to condition himself, he would sleep with the windows open during the winter time in his house Mm -hmm. so that he had to be in like these really super cold conditions all the time then he got toughened up well um again at this stage in my life you know (laughs) i'm just
2: not as tough as i was you'd also Uh, be divorced pam would leave i got an easy i got (laughs) an easy
1: easy alternative is uh cold showers oh no
0: I'm not that. Like I said, I'm not that tough. We'll see if it works. It's Come on, tough. Come on, tough guy. Well, bag.
1: Bill, it's been three months since I've taken a hot shower. Yeah, I've been going in, yeah. ice cold.
0: Is that right? That's right. Oh, you're you're insane. Exactly. I've been going
1: for it, and I will tell you what, I feel like I can handle the cold pretty well.
0: Oh, I, I would rather just die. You know wear mm. more clothes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure.
2: Well, I mean, it's not going to be like super cold. I think the one thing that would. Um, oh, it's gonna be cold. Well, yeah, but no. The, the one thing that would November, be tough is it, it could be t- thirty. But night. if you're hunting and you get wet,
1: yeah, he's gonna wake up to with frosty
2: tips. <laughs> that's gonna be tough. Like yeah. if you get well, soaked to the bone, that's a tough one.
0: The, I think what I'll do is just take the outerwear off, and then just you know sleep in my you know my long handles. Well, and, you
1: uh, stuff. you know, Bill, right? That like skin to skin is what generates heat. So like any uh-huh. t- no, I'm serious. Any- <laughs> 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 he's like nice try nice yeah, try I I you. know no, no no I, gonna, I'm yeah, no i'm dead serious everybody that i tell this direction to, everybody that i'm talking to thinks that i'm joking like if you are wearing any anything that inhibits your skin from touching your own skin is gonna make you less warm yeah. in a sleeping bag 100 percent. i went on an elk hunt when i was 15 or 16 and, and it was freezing we were sleeping in a a tent, but I mean, t- way back and I was all bundled up. I wore like all my hunting clothes and I was in a zero degree sleeping bag and I was freezing. I was fro like, I was so cold. Mm-hmm. And I told the guide, I was like, dude, I'm just like dying at night. He's like, yeah, you're sleeping with all your clothes on. He's like, get naked and get in that sleeping bag. And I'll tell you what, I was toasty warm the rest of the time. And th- that 100% works. Col- Colton's not going on any overnight hunts with hey, you. it could be somebody else's skin. <laughs> could be somebody else's skin. But even your own skin to skin, I promise you, will keep you warmer than if you're wearing long johns. I promise.
0: Uh, well, I'll try that then because uh, I just assume that you, you know. Buck naked Bill
2: up on the ridge on a frosty I'm not be who, morning. Who, who else on a podcast has talked Bill <laughs> Wanky out of their create,
3: clothes? <laughs> that kind of image. <laughs>
2: Uh,
1: I am serious. That's a on. that's a legitimate uh, piece of advice. Though. I was just gonna say bring a buddy heater,
2: but like apparently that's too much. Oh,
1: or yeah, you should freaking uh like uh hand warmers. Yeah, right? like inside your thighs, anywhere you've got major arteries running through your body,
2: that works too. Tape them up. Huh. Yeah.
0: Well, well, you've spent way too much time thinking about this, Jared.
2: He's got it planned out. Hey, he, we yeah. have had this discussion of Kansas plenty of times because it's just a long in and out. Yeah. I you have know? I have thought about it. Yeah. how many times have you guys thought about
1: like man if I could just get a silent helicopter or a drone or something to fly me in a and tunnel. drop me right here or tunnel. a zip line yeah, yeah we yeah, thought something. we were ziplining yeah
2: that was the like can yeah. I see, just bell was going,
1: going underground I was in the air <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah so I
0: think I think the next best thing is to just dig a little hole and have a little bivy sack and just curl up in there and throw the leaves over the top
1: put it, it. right
2: over the top mm-hmm. yeah wake there up you the go next morning and go hunting. Now, hey, see now you're onto something
1: why not dig a hatch. Like at the bottom of your stand, dig a make a hut mm-hmm. underground.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, okay.
2: Be like, you know what I'm saying? It'll be like Vietnam all over.
1: again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a, a well insulated
0: tree stand up. You know, <laughs> yeah. Let alone making a place to live underneath it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> now we're talking. We got. This now thing we're that. talking.
1: I'm just gonna live here for
2: November. I'm pretty sure the buck would just fall in the pit and break its neck,
1: and we'd be done. Well, no, no, and, it'd be covered. Yeah. You have to make an underground. You've seen The Hobbit.
2: <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah. It's well, fake, but yes. No, it's, <laughs> a bad, it, it's a it really movie. It's a bad idea. Yeah. Thank it really you. Isn't See? a
0: bad idea. No, it is. It's just Don't more, encourage them, Bill. It <laughs> it's more work than I'm prepared for, but just think. You're seeing preppers out there. Yes. Like yeah. Buy coffins. Buy
2: old coffins. Oh, yeah. now we're going too far. Yeah. Now claustrophobic is coming <laughs> in. I feel like i have seen I'm, this I'm in a movie out. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I like open it up and like
1: full draw. <laughs> I, I will stuff. tell you what, though. If you found the rut spot and you're like, every year I'm going to kill a buck here, wouldn't it? And you had the funds to do it, wouldn't you think of consider buying like a prepper den and burying it? Well, and you don't even
0: need that. I mean, there's got to be lots of different stuff you could buy to bury yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, literally,
2: even if you, you just had a to... hole and hatch and you put your tent or your ground blind or whatever, like you just need to be never see lost, not visible. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Something like that. But I don't need to build a capsule. I just need to build, like have an area that I'm not visible from the above ground. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I do
0: like this. I, I like the way this is going.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's,
1: yeah. Th- that sounds better than sleeping in a bivy at the bottom of your stand. <clears throat> well, well I, be in the bivy, that's what you I'm know? saying.
2: Say in the yeah, bivy, but just
1: under... A
0: little bear den. You dig, dig a little bear den
2: at the base of the tree. 100%. Yeah. Because, I mean, ultimately, anything that sits at the base of the tree at night, even though we think it's, it's Disturbance. Like, yeah. I mean, a, a buck comes through and he's like, whoa, wait and it's a not as comfortable you know? either. You want to be comfortable. And if you're bow hunting, like, you should be pretty damn close to the line of walking that these deer are coming through. You know, so I mean, hoping
0: that they're not there at night. That's what you're hoping.
2: Yeah. You're hoping that they're not moving through, which frankly, I mean, if you've got scrapes around you, like there's a good chance they're passing through at some point. Or if you're close to dough bedding, they're cruising the the edges of that. So if you're in a divot in that same bivvy, you know, maybe or maybe not, you're pulling something over top. I think if you pulled something over top, it'd keep you warmer. Um, but ultimately you don't have to, it could be open. It's just,
1: a I think, think you want to have enough space so that it felt like a tent. You're like at night, it'd be like a backcountry hunt. I got back. Okay. I've got like, my little battery powered, um, hot plate. Mm-hmm. I can do coffee. I can make oatmeal. I got Wilson, my volleyball. It's, it's like co- everything's good. It's covered on top. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I like this a lot. <laughs> no,
0: no, <laughs> you're on the right track, Jared. I really do believe it. It is bizarre and, and crazy is what we found. Um, this is what it takes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> y- you can't, you can't educate deer, right? So when do we educate them most? It's when we're coming and going.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So what if you don't ever leave?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but
2: <laughs> by November 15th, Bill's talking to his beau. He's oh. like, listen, he's like, we're going to make it through this. <laughs> oh, that's too funny.
1: <clears throat> but Hey, I mean, Sometimes this is what it takes. I think the hardest part of the whole deal would be
2: getting your capsule buried without totally I don't need disturbing capsule. the area. I just need enough of a ditch that I can sit my bivy in, mm-hmm. that Bill's sleeping in, and that I'm out of line of sight from ground level. Like
3: they literally. I'm, see, I'm,
2: I'm all the way down. Like you're building a capsule. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out how to run electricity. You're putting, mm-hmm. yeah, see, we're not doing that. You're not, you're so tornadoes. So you can do shelter. that
0: during the off season, Jared. Yeah. Right. You don't have to do it on October 25th.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, but still, it's going to have some disturbance. No, not if you do it in May. Yeah, maybe no, not.
0: No, deer don't care. What would you thing bury?
1: In? Like, I'm what? What scale, coffin? What scale are you thinking? You're thinking coffin. I'm thinking tent. I'm thinking tent size. Do you want to be able to sit up in the thing? And... What about like
2: a tornado shelter? Right. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It better be a hell of a good rut spot. <laughs> i'm sure they sell them if you go to a prepper
1: website or something i bet they sell single man underground it's called a coffin
2: yeah. <laughs> see what you yeah, find like a little called.
0: bear den where the little hatch opens up and you slide in that's a great
2: name for it did we just start a yeah. new business the, the bear den <laughs> it'd be hmm. a pretty
0: select audience of, of potential buyers i think
2: yes Hmm. yeah i think the i think the prepper thing <laughs> that's expensive now if, if you dug a, a little divot and you put your stuff in there. I hear suit. what you're saying. Get you out of line of sight. That would be what you need for right now. Better than nothing. That'd yeah. be perfect. Although I'm I'm not too um I know the expense is really tough, but but the climbing wall beds hanging that above the stand, I love yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. That's I really like...
0: too. I haven't really decided. I'm going to try the cheap route first, I and mean, sure, if just sure. doesn't work, I'm Have... going to try that next year. Mm. That
2: I mean, I I love being able to just get out and get right into the stand and never touch the ground and be always above the deer. Like I think that that's the, that's clutch. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great.
0: You might I, I agree with that. I think that that's the best solution. It's expensive um, though. Just more expensive. I just
1: didn't want to spend a thousand bucks. whatever to, to get one. Even better would be if you had, you'd have to write, have the right tree for it, but a tree house. That's the house is be way above.
2: Yeah. But you want to be portable a little bit. That's what I would want to be portable. Yeah. So if yeah, I had to move would. to a different tree, like I could bring my entire setup. over. Sure. Of, sure. Th- there's got to be you know, like an Amazon choice rock climbers bed. Oh yeah. That's like dirt cheap. No, that's not a thousand bucks. No. Really?
0: No. So so you want to hang 20 feet off the ground in like the cheapest,
2: well, I mean, not the you cheapest,
0: can, but like <laughs> uh, here. Before, <laughs> no, there, there, there's nothing really under about 600 and some dollars. And then if you get a fly to go over it, you know, you're looking at roughly a thousand
2: bucks. Yeah, and that's uh, too you much. You get one of those things. That's too much.
1: Here, before we end this thing, I, I really want to know what Bill thinks of this deer. <laughs> I'm just very curious. I I really enjoyed that conversation though. The, the, here's the deal with this deer. I'm just, I want your opinion. Cause I know you've done a lot of cementum analysis and, and trying to just understand. Ages. Yeah, ages of these deer from, from different years. What's confusing to me about this deer is I had a bunch of pictures of him. Uh, I'd tell you what we could do, Colton. Just do a screen share with Bill. That's what he's doing. What do okay. those two guys in the back do? I mean, this
2: oh, kind of- uh, Colton <laughs> and
3: Brian. Oh, Colton's they, running
2: the
1: podcast for are us. Are they then. watching
0: like YouTube videos the whole time? Or
2: no, no, like, no. Yeah. They're texting they're, their girlfriends. Well, they're probably, probably wondering that. like how crazy we are at this point, but. <laughs>
3: huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that looks old there. I mean, body wise. Wait, I can't see what he's seeing. He's
2: looking at the wait, 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 the one in the field. Can I see what he's seeing? How do I do that? You know exactly what he's seeing.
1: Should, let's go to last year first. Last year? There's several pictures of last year, maybe four or five.
2: Are you looking at the fee, the uh, feed that you sent me? Yep. He's um, looking at the one. I'm looking at six years. Yep. Let's go
1: to last year's.
2: Bill is looking at okay, and
1: so we've heard thing. Bill's initial response. That looks, he said, that looks big, old. Okay, ago. that looks old. So Bill, this deer, it, and so there's a chance here, not the same deer. Always a chance of that, but it's the exact same area where I would have expected to see this deer. <clears throat> I was like absolutely positive he was two last year. I saw him next to a, a bunch of other two years, two years old, and and three year olds, and I was like, yeah, that's that's definitely two year old, a world class, really nice two year old. This year showed up a couple days ago, uh, four or five days ago, and my response was the same. That's a big buck. And then I realized who I'm, who I think it is. And I'm just baffled because I was so sure that he was two last year and he does not look three this year.
0: Well, the, sometimes you'll get some really big bodied three-year-olds, but you have to be a little bit careful too because If you're looking at them late season and they're run down, they're going to look different
1: than prior to the Yeah, these are both late October, early November type pictures. So
0: that's the picture from last year. Yeah, he looks pretty young there. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say two, but two to three. Yeah, two to three.
2: I was thinking he was four this year. Let's flip through. There's a
1: couple pictures of him last year, if you can show those to Bill. Yeah. Okay. So on those pictures alone, what do you think? On, on the on the pictures from last year, what would you have guessed? Two or three is what he said. Two or three. Yeah, mm-hmm. two, two to three. Yeah,
0: I mean, until you actually see the deer on the hoof and and see his body language and how long legged he looks and all that stuff. I mean, it's really hard to age deer yep. off trail camera pictures.
1: Yep.
2: <clears throat> My thought process this year, looking at that deer purely this year, was four.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Just just yeah. this year, I'm like, man, that buck looks mature.
0: He could have been three last year and. And jumped or He could be a really big-bodied three. I had one of the biggest deer I ever had on our property was just a huge-bodied two-year-old. I thought he was three, and then he was a huge-bodied three-year-old, and I thought I thought he was four.
1: Which one was that,
0: Bill? Jumped, that was a buck. We call him G5 buck. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Like a, yeah. like we- a gross 194-year-old when I killed him, and I thought he was five because every year oh, wow. he had a huge body.
2: So he was four the year you killed, or you thought he was four the yeah. year? You-
0: Wow. I thought he was five, but he was actually four. Interesting. Um, Monster. Yeah. See, he would have, he would have kept jumping. But the reason that I misjudged that deer was because he had such a big body, big, big
1: body
2: through his whole life.
1: You showed him a bunch of the pictures from this year too.
2: So what do you think? I, I, Bill's telling you to kill that deer.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you gotta, you gotta call him four years old. Well, he could be a big body three-year-old. He really could. I mean, you think it's the same more... deer
1: for sure? Uh, I'm
0: pretty confident that he is. Well, then I would let you be the judge of that because okay. you spent more time studying it, but yep. he's probably, he's probably just a really big bodied three-year-old if you think he was four, because they can do that. Uh, I can show you some pictures of, of that G five buck when he was three and you'd swear <clears throat> he was four or five.
3: Hmm.
0: And then when we had the cementum, excuse me, <clears throat> when we had the cementum annuli testing done, he came back as four, which meant that he was a huge two-year-old. <laughs> so, but all that made sense in hindsight.
2: Are um, you sending those to Matsons or to Deerage, Age, Bill? Historically, I was sending them to Matson back yep. then. Yep. How um, much do those run? How much does that cost? They're not that expensive. They
1: super. They weren't super
2: expensive. Sixty bucks.
0: The, the trick maybe? is to group them up with your buddies and send yep. like several in at once. Yeah, you get a volume dis-
2: no volume discount as the number goes up. That's why like. I used to rope mine into the state agencies. Some of the state agencies were flexible and I said, "Hey, if I collect a bunch of teeth and give them to you and as long as you get the results, you cool with that?" And they would just add them into their batch and then but you got to trust that they did it
1: right. <laughs> Th- this deer really yeah. confused me because I was just so I was so confident that he was too. And you know what, Bill? I saw him on the hoof last year. I passed him 20 yards. Goes you and me, right? You and I passed that deer last year. Set the one in the oak flat. Uh when you guys just went below way back the grassy knoll. In? It was early in the season. Remember, oh, yeah. remember saw that Spike or whatever yep. chasing that deer. Yep. Later on, that deer walked right underneath of us, and I said, "Yep, there's that two year old." And I so now I'm like, "What is going on?" Because this deer looks mature now.
2: Could just be a giant three year old body. I mean, you're in the right area. Like his body kill. doesn't
1: look at all the same. He it looks like he was two last year, and it looks like he was is four this year. I don't mm-hmm. understand.
0: Yeah, but they some of them do that though. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. Um. They they that's where you get confused is you those really big bodied deer. Mm-hmm. Um, they throw you off.
2: Yeah. I mean, that deer and, very well could be 200 plus pounds on the hoof well, as a three-year-old. And, and
1: So then this comes yeah. into play. I think you would agree with this bill is that like, I'm more confident in my ability to age a two-year-old than I am a four-year-old. Right. Yeah.
0: Then if you, if you're almost hundred percent sure he was two last year and you're almost hundred percent sure it's the same deer, then he's three. Yep. <laughs> yeah,
1: that adds yeah. up. The math works there. They
0: don't, <laughs> they don't jump two years. Yeah.
1: It would be nice if you could
2: get Well, that's why I'm so confused. It seems like that's what he did. I don't know. a time traveler. Well, and the other thing is you've got enough bucks on that property that we know are four or yeah. older to or, conservatively say, hey, guys, let's pass him this year and give him a year. No,el.
1: everybody's already said they're not willing to pass a deer, so.
2: They did? Yeah. D- what, D- D- Dale and I had words about it the other day. But if he, what if he's three? He doesn't go against the, that's the property standard is four.
1: Yeah, we're back to the struggles of
2: back to talking to your family. (laughs) Yeah, but um. Anyways, I appreciate your opinion. That's all right. So Bill's got. So you've got a focus buck that you're going after. That is the deer that you're putting the effort. A
0: theoretical, a theoretical. We don't know. He's he's there for sure
2: from last
0: year. I believe he's. We found the sheds off him. Um, I'm pretty sure he's he's still alive. If he's still alive, I'm pretty sure I know where he's going to be.
2: How big was he as a? three-year-old he was he
0: was pushing 170 as a three-year-old oh yeah I'd, I'd he had i think a
2: lot he of people had
0: the kind of frame because he had a few stickers and some really long points you know so yep. usually those are the deer that blow up yep. Um you can get some really nice looking three-year-olds that are kind of massive and stubby and you're like eh, you know they just aren't gonna blow up yeah he's not gonna put the get tines. those kind of spindly sticker point type deer that have long tines you know he could be you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a 200 inch deer this year, but he could be a 175. Who knows? I mean, I've seen him do that too, but he's got, he had the frame as a three-year-old that he could really blow as a four year old.
2: Love that. Yeah.
0: So so it'll be, it'll be cool to see if he's still there. That's where I'm going to spend my, my nights sleeping is on that. So, so I I mean, we're,
2: we're at the 21st. We talked about a cold front coming through and potentially you starting to hunt tomorrow, no camera data. Do you just assume he's there and go for him?
0: I'm going to, I'm going to be very uh, cautious about how I start. I'm just going to be fringing, you know, getting my feet wet, getting a little sense of what's going on. The farmer's not going to have all the corn out yet. You know, I'll be sneaking around, maybe get a redneck blind on a trailer, push back in there someplace where he did combine, you know, I'm not going to be full court press. Um, So no, I mean, if I, if I get that deer, it's only going to be because I fringed him, not because I
2: went in after him. <clears throat> Makes sense. Um, I guess the other point there that I wanted to use then is obviously people are listening to this. Um, How else are they going to stay up to date with what you're
0: doing? <laughs> Seems like last time we talked about that, I had some master plan. But you the did. I go, how's the, how's the that going? <laughs> Have you started recording? Uh, there's, no, there's no master plan anymore. I've gotten I've gotten where I really don't like having a cameraman.
2: Um, I wondered about that. Just feel free.
0: Yeah. It's just, again, you're just going back to the, just the sheer joy of going deer hunting without another agenda, you know, where, and and nothing wrong with what we did at Midwest Whitetail. I felt like we really created a good service for people, but you know, every day I was on the spot because I had to, you know, had an ongoing story. I had to try to help, you know, people figure out what to do each day themselves. You know, there was always an agenda. Now I might just go, you know, someplace that doesn't make any sense at all, just because I want to sit there. Yep. Um, or maybe I'll go chisel plow on the neighbor's, you know, corn stalk field because I don't feel like hunting today. I just don't feel like it, mm-hmm. you know? So there's, there's a lot more of just the the freedom of the, you know, the, the simple joy of going hunting without another agenda. Um, and I never disliked hunting, but like I said, I mean, you know, that
2: the business.
0: Yeah. Every time you go someplace from the time you leave your, your, you know, hunting shack or whatever, until the time you come back, you know, there's a camera on you and you're, you know, you're telling your story and you know, you're trying to engage people and, and keep it interesting enough that your viewers are going to continue to, you know, support you and your sponsors. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah you know, and then <clears throat> you end up feeling like, you know, maybe the hunt isn't yours anymore. The hunt actually kind of belongs to somebody else. Um, So the hunt is truly mine when there's no cameraman there. Not to say that I won't, I won't ever go back. Sure. Um,
2: Well, there's other ways to document it. I know we talked about audio potentially. Um, Obviously, are you still writing?
0: Yeah. And I can do that. I'm just, I've just gotten spoiled now with not having to answer to anybody when I'm hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, 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 so, at the end of every day, you know, if I write up a little short blog or something about what happened that day, I've got to find internet access somewhere. I've got to, you know, <clears throat> we'll see. It's just I'm not set up for it right now because the place that I hunt, there's not even any phone service, you know, let alone sure. internet. Um, so, as far as trying to get media uploaded on a consistent basis, it'd be really tough.
2: Smoke signals, perhaps? I don't I don't know. I mean,
0: I could send them out,
2: yeah
0: <laughs> so so anyway, the the answer to your question is i don't know I don't believe I'm going to be documenting consistently my season. Um, I kind of want to go under the radar for a while and and then mm-hmm. come back
2: resurface know, like a, a... okay, perfect. all right, uh minor technical difficulties, uh Bill's dropping so much knowledge on us it overheated the computer. Yeah, Can handle it. uh that will happen. so that said, um, where were we? Uh, we were going to wrap. Oh, uh, so so Bill's going underground, <laughs> like literally going underground for the for this literally, season. Literally, yeah, and metaphorically. So so is, is that kind of the – I mean, we're in it at this point, I guess, Bill. So that's kind of the final decision is you're just going to do your own thing, right?
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I may get a wild hair, you know, once the season gets going. And, you know, I didn't have any real ramp up. Um, you know, if I didn't get any hype built up around any specific gear or anything, so it's kind of hard to get people excited about a story of my season when there's no story even started.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
4: but you know, maybe next year that'll change. Um, I like, I like not having to be in a popularity contest with everybody else in the whole world trying to figure out, you know, who gets the most views or whatever. It's just kind of nice to get away from all of that. Sure. Um but I do like helping people. I do like sharing what I've learned over the years. So I need to find a way to do that in a way that's not too intense. You know, I know I've talked with the guys at Peterson's bull hunting about doing a, uh, um, some multimedia with those guys and let them manage it and produce it. Uh, I could just be, you know, some of the talent on that. And, you know, that might have, <clears throat> that might have some potential. Where I don't have to worry about the backbone of, of how the whole thing works. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, for this year, at least, um, I I don't foresee producing a lot. Maybe I'll produce some stuff after the season, Sure. you know, to to take a look back and put that, you know, into the YouTube and into some of my other channels after the season, but I don't want to do it while I'm trying to hunt anymore.
2: Well, I think it's just how, how does it come across? Right. Because like ultimately it, it, barring you don't kill him on the first sit, which would still be awesome. But like this potential adventure for this deer sounds very intriguing to probably a lot of us. Right. And you won't have a yeah. cameraman necessarily to document it. Like a, that's why he's a enjoying Donnie. it so much is because people oh, yeah. are dying to know. And he's like, huh? but I mean, how do you frame something up? Like <laughs> I would be the same way. Let's, let's think of Donnie Vincent, right? Like those kind of epic, like adventure hunt type things, but without a cameraman, like, is it story-based? You know, maybe. Maybe it's story based Is it audio based Possibly, possibly. You. What do you mean I, by it, Don? I think
4: well, so the way that it should be, the way it should be done, is filmed with an iPhone 13 or whatever, you know, yep. and then just broadcast from the ridge every evening to to the various channels. But
2: you have um, no service. That
4: just sounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think I would have on the ridge tops as long as I'm up on top. I probably could pick up enough to, to do it, but um, I don't know it just feels too much like i'm going back to making hunting like work again mm-hmm. um, but maybe that's the way i need to go
2: well there's a demand to know what bill is doing and i don't mean that in like uh not like, you just do a podcast you're obligated to <laughs> us but like you know did people just want to know like we followed you for so long and we we learned yeah. so much you know when you when you kinda go underground, it's like, well, we don't want you to. But
4: <laughs> right. well and and maybe I won't, um, but I just haven't come up with a real sure. simple way to do it and and um I think that this year will be pretty fun from the learning standpoint because you know that this isn't gonna work very smooth. <laughs> no I'm talking about doing <laughs> Yeah, I never know. You you, know
3: there's be yes
4: days when I'm gonna be like waking up at 9 a.m. to climb into my tree stand, you know, because I froze all night long. um, You know, so this is not going to be a flawless execution. So it might actually be pretty comical, you know, if it was actually producing it. Um, Yeah. But uh, it'll be a learning experience no matter what. But I'll share that, you know, one way or the other. Uh, It may not be in, in, you know, real time or I don't know. No, it won't be. It won't be in real time. It, it, It may be. I just have to get motivated. It's, it's a lot more trouble to produce it is than what people think.
2: I, it um, sounds imminent, though, that you are going to buy the next Bill Winkie farm, at which point there's going to be unlimited documentation if you want to.
4: Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some farms in the works right now. I mean, I'm not going to share too many details, but you know, I've got a couple of them that are past the point of, you know, one – You know, one I'm I'm buying, um, and then the other one is potentially out there, you know, might happen. So it's not like I'm not going to own land,
3: Mm -hmm.
4: you know, by this time next year. I'm going to own land again. Um, So anyway, I think, you know, we're talking about trying to wrap this up, and, and I know we've spent like a long time just kind of talking about some kind of crazy notions, but, you know, there's two things that people could take away from this. That I think are pretty significant. One is don't think that you can't own land. Um, you know, you can find a way if you want to badly enough. I encourage everybody, you know, don't just say, oh, that's not for me because you know, this or that. Uh, if you want it badly enough, you can figure out a way to, to get yourself into that game. Um, the other thing is come up with some creative way to eliminate the impact that you have on the deer. And like we're talking about the, you know, sleeping at the base of the tree or putting up that portal ledge or whatever, putting the little redneck hole out there where you can sneak over to your ground blind and sleep in there and then back to your tree. All of that is way better than crunching down through, you know, where the deer are at when it's time to either go or, or leave you know, from your tree stand. Um, that's going to be an interesting progression for me, but it doesn't change the fact that every one of our listeners can definitely find some creative way to reduce their impact. Yeah.
2: It, and I think that I don't know why a hot air
1: balloon just popped into my brain, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm still thinking, I'm still on that thought. Well, it, I, you can
4: coming up it's like way out there.
1: On the, yeah. On the well, planet. a hot air balloon is really? silent and you can tie it to the tree. Yeah. No. Yeah. They'd
4: never, they wouldn't see
1: that. Not yeah. sounding so dumb now, <laughs> am I? Well,
2: <laughs> I'm already trying to think of how to make an affordable, Put it on the tree, sleep in it, come out, but not risk your life, type of thing.
4: So you might have to swallow the cost of that that portal ledge because those guys have done the, the studies. They've, they've done, done the it. research. What's that?
2: Yeah, I, they have. They've absolutely done it, and and like I, I think that that is the way to do it um, to kill a giant buck in a in an area that so you do not want to come in and out.
4: So here's the real downside of the portal ledge. Uh, Versus the ground. So let's say it's 20 degrees out. The bottom of your portal ledge is in contact with 20 degree air.
2: 100%. Yep. It's coming right up.
4: You cannot warm that air. Yep. No cushion ever of warm space under your portal ledge. Correct. Whatever whatever pad you're sleeping on is always going to be in contact with something that's 20 degrees. Whereas if you put it on the ground... You know, at some point, you're going to have a little warm space that you've generated underneath your pad that may be 50 degrees. Yep. Or something like that. Uh, I really feel like you're going to be a lot warmer on the ground than you are on that quarter ledge.
2: agree.
1: See, I, I just thought
4: you would be
2: miserably cold.
1: I think, like, you're tough enough. Like, that, you'll, that, that'll be fine. I think it's the scent containment aspect.
2: I don't think so. I, I think, I remember sleeping on cots, and the air coming underneath my cot would freeze me out. Every time, like it's even though it seems like you don't want to be in contact with the ground, the fact that your body is pushing heat against a, usually a warmer ground okay, is going even to if, be, even if you could figure that part or out. think about the wind, I like st- if I, it's a windy night, I like still, that's a brutal, brutal night
1: in the tree. I still think it, re- despite all of that, if you could figure it out, if you could find a way to stay warm above ground is still not going to be as, you know, you're not going to contain your scent as well as if you are beneath the earth.
2: Mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't like to have anything touch the, around the fact. base of my tree. No. Well, that's fine. I, I just don't.
1: Anytime you're in the air, you're suspended. You're just like, any way the wind blows, you're, it's like you're hunting. It's like you're in the stand. Well, yeah. Your yeah.
4: solution is by far the best. You can go underground. That's Jared. That's that's the best yeah. solution for sure. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, dig in a little vault and climb but in there. At it's the end much of the more vault, time. obviously.
2: I also want to be very, I want to be portable sure eliminates, i want to be able to bounce and move and, sure. and like if if for some reason he changes his behavior and i got to move 150 yards i don't got to dig up my vault and move it <laughs> yeah there's your bidding. not
4: much it's much more affordable
2: than yeah i agree this thing weighs up like a pound
4: Yep.
1: Well, I let's agree. let Bill learn. We'll let Bill learn yeah. the hard way, so and then we'll here's the the we'll end of the day. Sleep in and reap the benefits.
2: He's got to document <laughs> something for us. Like everybody's crying right, right now no, because no, no. Bill's saying he's not going to do anything. He doesn't. He's, well, I we just, have to see it. I got to see the setup. Just tell us about it. After, no, no no, after, no, no. I need to see it after you kill buck
1: out of the spot and you've done the thing. Just come back on I'll the podcast and tell us about. Yeah, it. Yeah, take pictures of it. Sure. Yeah, pictures. I'll take
4: pictures of it with my phone. I'll, I'll, I'll have some documentation because it'll be too laughable.
2: Cool. Uh, Either that or Pam's going to ask us to come out as part of the search team for him I think, in, I think in two weeks. You've seen uh, Survivor Man,
1: the show? Yes. Yeah, I think a body cam, like on your facial mm. expression, would be what I'd like to see the whole time. It's
2: day seven of the ride. Yeah. I'm so tired. <laughs>
1: I smell like tarsal I ran out of
2: my salami on day one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man,
4: that's the biggest risk. I am gonna eat myself uh, out. out of. Not out salami. I don't. I don't know how salami
2: I, rations are running low. He's gonna be. <laughs> he's gonna be skinning squirrels in his little bivy tent because he's got a food. You know, <laughs> this thing's gonna get intense fast. Well, listen, Bill. We we appreciate it, man. I know it took some time, and you got a lot of projects going on. But you know, for everyone listening, and and speaking for me and Jared as well, like you know. Somehow, some way, keep us updated. Like I, I completely understand the freedom and 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 almost envy it to a point because we're kind of in that stage where we're documenting a lot what we're doing. But um, just to just to know what you're doing uh, again, I, I kind of joke about it. But but people miss you, man. Like um, you know, we just followed you for so long and felt so part of what you did. You know that you know, um, and that means you did it well, right? Because we're we're looking for it again. You know, and and nobody else is kind of filled the gap
4: and and, and if i'm still you know, if i'm still relevant a year from now then maybe i'll consider it again
1: you'll um, be relevant or but, uh, alive uh, yeah, if jeremy's cool. keeping on his narrative well geez
2: like <laughs> come on i mean obviously just to prove me wrong he's like at his stage he's in like, life, like you're almost dead right he's like <laughs> he's like listen i'm gonna yeah. go out i'm gonna camp naked on this ridge for 20 days and i will tell you that i don't feel old if he's getting
4: yeah he's getting younger if anything that's
1: what
2: <laughs> i hear
4: I think you stretched my, my, my focus
2: a little bit there, but. Yeah. Well, I, hey, listen, if it's me, I hope you go in the first night and kill this deer and get the hell out of there. Yeah, we're all hoping that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we appreciate yeah, it. Have a little fun. Well, we appreciate it, Bill, and thanks again for being on. And And, you know, we look forward to hearing how things go. And, as always, be safe out there, of course.
4: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And good luck to you guys, too. Hope you have a great season. Thanks, Bill.
2: All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, awesome. As always, you're digging holes. I dude,
1: he's like a kid again. I really appreciate that side of bill. I, that was so much
2: fun. Well, and I mean, again, and it's, maybe it's disappointing to some listeners. Ultimately, the fact is, is like the dude's free. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that in a, in a weird way from like a Midwest whitetail standpoint, but like you can tell he just loves to be back out and he's free.
1: Yeah. As much as I'd love to see him come back and do something, you know, I'm just so happy that he's not. If you love
2: something enough, just set it free. Let it go. Yeah. yeah.
1: Bill's yeah. free. No, he's, he seems very happy. I'm yeah. Sure. I'm so it fun. was what a
2: good talk. And and I do think because I know how much <clears throat> passion it has, that's how Bill and I met was doing land management and stuff. When he closes on some farms, we will see Bill come back uh, just because he'll want to document it almost for himself as much as sharing with all of us. So, um, yeah. So that's it. Episode forty four. I think we'll have him back on after he sleeps in his bed. We have for to a week. at this point. Yeah. We'll yeah. We have to. When yeah. we when he kills his buck, I'll be the first to text him like, come tell us. Maybe about in the it. meantime I'll bury a
1: hatch somewhere and we can have a follow up conversation. I don't understand this. I <laughs> listen,
2: I I have no problem saying I'm a claustrophobic fool. Like I'm not living in no hatch in the ground. Not even for a booner. No, mm-hmm. Maybe.
1: That's what you got to think about. That's what's on d- the line
2: here. Uh, I'm feeling simple. See, like you're real deep in the hatch. I'm more like, let me talk to some Vietnam vets, dig a foxhole, and go into it, and like just live in the foxhole. Yeah, we the same, but I can't path. do that for more than like two or three days. Like it's not sustainable. Okay, two or three days might buy
1: you the opportunity you need.
2: Typically, I just need one. But... Yeah.
1: Well. That would be plan A. I first I need a deer to kill. The capsule is for plan B. I needed yeah. I need
2: a deer to kill first. Then I'll then I'll put the capsule on the ground. All right. I know you gotta run, dude. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, it was a good podcast. We appreciate Bill coming on and always. We will definitely have him back to tell us about his I don't even know if some sort of an adventure he's about to do. Or maybe we'll have Pam back to recite like what happened to Bill Winky. <laughs> if I know Bill, what what will happen is he'll
1: he'll go out and he'll do it for a night, maybe two nights. He's going to he, test it tonight, and then he'll come back, and I think he'll he'll reconsider. He said, "Well, here's what I did last time," and then, he's, very he's very, calculate. very calculate. He's an engineer by trade; <laughs> right. like
2: that's his mindset. Right. So.
1: That's why we need to let him pave and learn the hard lessons, and then once we have figured it out, we'll, we reap the rewards. We'll reap the rewards.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody listening to Hunter Podcast. See you next week. It's November.
3: It's